What's going on, Stacky? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I'm so actually really, really excited about this episode because of the GQ thing. You already know how excited I was to, to see them. Yes, GQ. Yeah, it's going to be it's exciting nice. to talk about that. Yes, yes, yes. Very excited. But uh, how's everybody's Friday doing? Mine is doing good. Um, oh, Matthew just came off. My, I'm, mine is doing well. Matthew, how is your Friday doing? I actually just woke up because I pulled an all-nighter last night for a client project and have been editing. And then, yeah, I was up until like maybe noon-ish and then fell asleep and then woke up. And now, now I'm here. Hello. Happy Friday. You sound so pleasant. I'm I'm very neutral right now. I I <laughs> wish I was Matthew. <laughs> but you're chaotic. Looks good, Matthew. You look like a blushing bride. What's up, guys? Janie in the house. What's up? Hey, Janie. I know it's a lot of a lot of people has a lot going on. I'm I'm curious to see what you guys have going on. Uh, you know, I know your birthday was was a couple of days last week, was it? Yes, it was. And I want to know how that went. And uh, I know we had some other things going on. Clubhouse James dropped this nice piece and added somebody to the Key Society, who's a good friend of mine, Christine Barnum. And that fucking jacket, I screamed when I saw it. And I really want to pin it at the top. Because first of all, that is so her. Like, knew her for a while. When I say every time we design something together, it's it looked like something like that. So that jacket is Christine. Like that's just her whole persona right there. And I, I'm I'm gonna ask her to come in here see if she's busy or not. And Mary but, Beth too. Yeah, I was just oh gonna my say. And, God. Wait, 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 wait a second. We didn't get to Mary Beth yet. She's wait a second. Oh my girl. Okay. So so you know Mary Beth's piece is very much her also. So I don't know what. James was smoking on this weekend, but uh, this week, but it, it was whatever it is was good. So continue doing doing a stream. Hold, hold or on, whatever you're doing. <laughs> I I like to think he does live they, in Colorado. I'm just saying, there's no coincidence I, <laughs> there, and it's I'm perfectly legal. <laughs> uh, I like to think, or, or at least the goal is, um, and and I think that some more that will flow out will will kind of prove this thesis. These should represent the individuals um, within the organization because I do get feedback from them. I didn't come up with that idea on my own. Uh, it's always asked, what What do you think would represent you? Um, and, and in her case, obviously, uh, I, I did have knowledge of just being in L.A. for a few years, knowing that that would probably land. Um, so when we discussed that, it it, uh, it was a no-brainer in, in that, that instance and, and most other instances as well. Yeah, but um, I just wanted to say uh, the last two that you did were very, very perfect. Not to say any ones that you did before weren't, but, you know, I know these two women and it screams them. And I just want to, uh, you know, give you a round of applause for that. Screams them very much so. And I could kind of see Mary Beth be like, mm, well, you know, uh, yeah, I like this, but, you know, add this maybe or you know, this color is pretty much, this matches my, you know, skin tone a little, you know, I have the, I don't have the olive, you know, people think, you know, so I could kind of see Mary Beth, 
you know, kind of, you know, this matches good with my skin tone. Like, do this color. But that's perfect for Mary Beth. What'd you say, Mary? Mary Beth? So you are not completely inaccurate, perhaps a different tones of voice. But I did have a, a very brief exchange about like, well, these, this is my skin tone, things that are neutral. I love gold, but like doesn't need to be gold, but things that go with it. But I'm a prep, but I like wear blazers all the time. So you weren't that you weren't that far off. I'll give you that. It's, it's perfect. And, and all we need is a hat. Yeah funny there's a, a funny story the the it, it was somebody in the very beginning and you probably won't know who this individual is fa- semi-famous dj um i can't even tell you how many times this went back and forth out of all of them i was just like i i, I was like we're never gonna get this right uh probably went back and forth about 15 times I'm not even i'm not even exaggerating um and we finally got it right, but it was one of the first varsity jackets to his defense that we did. Um, so it, it, there was a little bit of trial and error on some things going on, but uh, most of these are pretty easy. Like it's not a whole lot of back and forth uh, on, on a lot of these, which is, is great um, if you do the work up front to figure out what's, you know, what's going to land. But uh, yeah, some of, them, some of them have been interesting, uh, but most are pretty easy. So I thought mine was the best one up until I saw these twos. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I knew oh, you were going to say that. You know, I was kind of jealous. Like, I thought he put his heart and soul into mine. But, you know, I feel some type of way at this point. You know what I'm saying? I can't wait to see CC's. you know. CC's is out. Sure, hers was a long time ago. You got to go back. CC, go please back share and... me yours because yours better be the best damn jacket that, you know, it better have gold pearls on it. I don't know. We we <laughs> chose magical. we chose a black we chose a a cardigan dress uh, for her. That's what she wants. But look, here's the interesting thing about about all of these tokens. Um, they are seven twenty ones, and if you know anything about that, that does mean that these can evolve um, over time. So nothing is set in stone um, per se in that regard. What? So we can get okay. For, this is for key society members only, you guys. You met, you missed the, you missed the boat. I'm sorry. You know, if you if you want to become one in the future, it may cost you like a half a million or a million dollars. So I'm just letting you know. But Stacky's um, setting the floor. I love it. Uh, the floor is is very high here. You know, we already have our members here, and you don't belong yet. But um, you know, just giving them a little FOMO, little FOMO here. You know, but uh, so people who are members do we get do we get like to update our our like clothing line? i don't know our what are we having like a key something? society meeting here they don't want to hear they don't want to hear about this i saw the jacket they want to hear about pharrell they want to hear about gq these ridiculous red boots that people if are wearing I this jacket they're going to want to hear about it too though nah we'll we'll definitely get into all that and yeah of course there are there are things that that will be um kind of gained through that access, if you will, not unlike the GQ drop that uh, is upcoming that we should probably talk about today that is also a membership that I have questions about after reading the thing on the website. Um, because I think, oh, here comes David. The space with David was amazing, by the way, uh, the other day. Um, look at that. Give me the thumbs down the whole way. I love it. Um, so um, I think that Stacky 
you and I were under the wrong pretense of what we thought we were going to get with this. Like the two ETH is going to get you into events. The two ETH is going to get you into events for just those members, not like typical GQ events. Um, oh. Yeah, that was an O thing for me as well. So anyway, I, I don't know if uh, Steve, I know you, uh, I, I know you had looked into this as well and we were kind of all talking about it. So I don't know if you wanted to kick off there or if you wanted to lead anything else out because there's a lot to talk about today, Stack. No, nothing, nothing further to add. I mean, the GQ one I'm still looking into, you were way more knowledgeable than me. I just saw it because, I mean, this is uh, this is like full disclosure. I'm looking up like topics because it was a slow-ish morning this morning. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to talk about for three hours on Coffee with Captain? And then I started like Googling, literally like Googling, I'm like, NFTs, there's got to be something I missed. Like, what am I out of my mind about here? And, you know, I don't want to have to manufacture a topic. Sure enough, um, you know, I was like, oh, GQ, how did I miss this? Um, and I sent it to James. But yeah, I, I don't know the cost or anything like that. It looks like it, it looks like it's sort of at least there's an event in NFT NYC. There's some other events and you get access to other things. But it seems like a very vague drop uh, that we're seeing. But it's hey, man, they're they're doing something token gated and I'm not going to complain or knock it until we see exactly what they do with it. Um, so I don't have a ton of a ton of background on the GQ thing as much as uh, I know you have bit mad thoughts on the Pharrell thing, though. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I, so can I add yeah, to, of course. to the GQ thing? So I was sitting when I was sitting in there uh, the whole time, like actually listening. I don't know, maybe I took some Adderall or something. But uh, you know, David, how you doing, David? Um, yeah, but I heard something about an issue being dropped on, and that's the main uh, use case of it. Is what is their hundredth year or something like that, and they're dropping an exclusive issue uh, using this token. If I'm yeah, not, I mean, if the, I'm thing, the thing. thing that I don't like. First of all, I hope they don't fumble the bag. Like that's, you know, that's, that's my biggest thing on any of these big companies that come in because the bag is, is so easy to fumble in this case. Um, and then already a couple of things like during the space, the way they were talking and I heard events and, but they weren't, they were vague. Right. And that's probably intentional. And then when you go on the site, they get a little more specific. Um, so I just want to make sure that this isn't going to be like two ETH isn't, that's not a light mint price. Um, and I'm pretty sure are we, that's what we heard, right, Saki? Yeah, it's about what it said. The the amount of ETH was the year that it was, uh, I don't know, a year, something about a year. So it was like 19. It was like one 1. 1.9 something, five ETH. Yeah, whatever. So that's, around, like, let's call it what it like two ETH uh, at that point. Yeah. I better be getting into events that are just standard gq events if i'm saying and, and that's what i thought like that's what i thought we, we got something exclusive but i guess not yeah and see that's my that's my big thing about like all of these all you know anything that's a membership within the space because the space is so small like i could see steve in like 10 places i can see stacky in in the same amount like we can see each other in all of these places when when does it like open up to other networking opportunities and not just like hey you're gonna get you know access to this event for the ecosystem and it's like the ecosystem that we're already all hanging out together with or like the the current ecosystem in gq because that's kind of what i was thinking for that price tag i was going to have access to and it doesn't seem like that's the case 
a lot of these brands they just don't have the capacity to like have more people at their events like they're the last year or so i've seen especially with fashion events you have so many people trying to get an influencers influencer type people that like they just don't have the rsvp like the amount of people because they're still trying to entertain the traditional world of editors buyers pr people it's crazy well uh, james i think your point about like them you know not like almost having them like sectioned off it reminds me of like when i was a kid we in high school uh, we used to go out to dinner a lot and we looked uh we looked like we were like a little bit of a rowdy bunch and the restaurants would always put us in like the back corner really far away from everybody. And I feel like GQ is like, look, we want to get in web three, but we don't want these gross hoodie wearing stinky web three people uh, mingling with our GQ people. And I-, I feel like there's this like odd, like obviously like this could be for fashion, but like to have to your point, like I- am I going to pay two ETH to go to an event when I'm, I'm literally could see these people like I could send someone a DM on Twitter and be like, Hey, let's go grab a coffee. And I'm not going to try to see that same person now, like, you know, owning tokens for things like, you know, uh, like a Moonbird as an example, you want to go to future proof. You want to have exclusive speakers and experiences like that's giving you something you wouldn't get without the token. Um, you know, similarly with like VCon, you're getting something you wouldn't have without the token. Yes. It's a community you would see normally, but you're getting speakers, you're getting a bench, you're getting uh, freebies, you're getting all sorts of stuff that you really want to be there for. If GQ is like bifurcating these two particular audiences, it just feels like you're doing your best to, uh, you know, almost keep it at an arm's length, have com- two completely different operational arms. And it d- also feels like when when companies do this, when they have this like strong separation, instead of thinking of it, and again, I'll, I'm just going to go ahead and, and say it. I don't know if Bunch is out there because he could talk to it better than I could. Um, I know Mint Condition was running long, but I think about Starbucks. I had a call with one of the VPs today. Like they all know at the top what's going on. Like, it's it's a very that was a question that came up in our AMA yesterday. People were asking about it, and we answered. Uh, you know, I was kind of vague, and Bunce is like, "I'll answer the question directly." Leadership and senior leadership is very involved. So, you know, knowing the difference there versus you know, and I'm not saying any company is better than another one, or I'm not I'm trying to make comparisons, but like that's a stark difference between we're going to push all the NFT people over to our NFT events, and I can hang out with everybody in this room, which I could do anyway, or we're going to have you get access to exclusive fashion shows and events and things. I don't know what, you know, like things like that, that are, um, you're going to get first look at new collections from XYZ designer and opportunity to potentially buy at, you know, at not even a discounted price, but like you're might get the opportunity to buy something first or one of our stylists will dress you or you get one GQ box. I know they mentioned that, that there's things that like you could do with this that could make it really impactful for the fashion world uh, and for web three and have this sort of like coalescing. And instead I don't know, separating them. It's a really good point, James. I'm going to pay two ETH to go to an event and, you know, have a glass of wine with the same people that I'm going to see anyway, unrelated. Yes, it feels like, you know, we like the stepkids. Like, you don't want to. I was literally about to say we feel like the (laughs) ugly stepkids, Stax. I'm so glad you said that. Yo, like, you don't want to show us off to your, your friends. Like, why can't we be like the other you know, invitees, right? Uh, or at least, like, do we get, like, exclusive rights to purchase a ticket or things like that? And I think um, we need more information. I'm, I'm digging into more it's, information right now, and our our, uh, our anger might be unfounded, Stax. You and I have to have a conversation. I, I should probably D- DYOR. You got the numbers right. Your decimal was in the wrong place, so 
so get the hell out of here. It's more. <laughs> of course. Can I no, chime yeah, in? Yeah, let me chime in here. I'm doing some more quick. research. I'm getting DMs from people. I'm like looking. At, I'm doing but, my own research here on this. Hey, sorry. Okay, I'm so, just gonna jump in real ooh. quick. It's Janie. It's point two ETH, not two ETH. Okay. Just so you guys are clear. All right. Good. Point two. Point so two. So where did cheap? Where did cheap? That's a massive okay, difference. Okay. So where did cheap step kids? All right. Cool. So it might be worth it. Um if we're the cheap step kids, like we get a little party in a corner in a closet. Well, you're you know, paying, we you're paying for a party in some... the corner in the closet. That That's okay. In the closet. That, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I could kind of see the corner in the closet thing. And if it's you're paying York, for a, a very limited open bar. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I know MB, you had your hand up early and you had some thoughts on this. Go ahead and jump in. Well, here. No, I, you kind of, Janie actually answered a little bit of my question because it's point two and not two eighth, but I don't, I mean, because I, I, I'm just, I'm an, as an observer, I see GQ today isn't how I understood GQ like 10 years ago. So I feel like they're going through, thank God, like Matthew's throwing up a hundreds because that means I'm somewhat on point here. And Bruce, I just, I see it. They've kind of been like shifting and like, have you seen their latest articles? They're, they're talking about nipple clamps. Like it's, it's almost like a, like hype beast kind of entered the room a little bit. So I know they're you know, they're like shifting to next generations. What are these kids or people spending money on? Who are the next GQ, you know, readers and audience? So um, even if it were 2000, I was like, well, maybe some of those people who are paying that money get some kind of bite out of that amount. But I, I also like, sometimes I see this web three thing as a like, hey, this is another avenue to explore our new growing demographic or something. Those are my thoughts. If I can like, like actually like something you said there, I think is a, it's really insightful in how these uh, publications are doing things. Cause actually I'm going to be my old man yelling out cloud rant here with like the current state of media, which I know is drawn by clicks, but like, you're actually exactly right. Like I'm actually surprised when I'll see something where it's like my feed, like news feed, it'll be like, like you'll never believe what Matthew McConaughey said. And it's like a tweet that you could see anywhere. And it's like women's health. And I'm like, wait, what? Or like, you know, like when I, I swear to God, like, so there's this like really have this high influencer who she's famous because she's made a bunch of money on the um, name, image and likeness deals in college named Olivia Dune, Livy Dune. And she's a gymnast at LSU. And literally every time she posts a photo, like a, a GQ, a women's like one of these like Esquire, like literally will post a thing, be like Livy Dune posts super low cut dress showing up. And I'm like, this is journalism. Like this is the type of things we're covering now. So I think you're right in like, I think that's something that when you talk about the differentiation and what GQ is now to maybe what the people in this room think of it as there is a, even though they still have a brand, like when I see what they're posting on their site, there is a strong differentiation where it's like every time a college kid posts a thirst trap, her Instagram story becomes a story on like these, you know, once really respected, like, literal fashion publications and I, I i get that on my on my feed so i just i don't know like that you're right i mean it's become almost like everything's like trying to do like tmz clicks i was i was doing research on it i was actually doing research via chat gbt and it kept referring to gen z's you know the need to cater to that instant click or you better have some reviews written if you're looking up face wash or something because that is the first bait, right? And so like this very short, like extremely short attention span is a part of the strategy now. So whether that's via click, 
clickbait or, you know, Web3, which has a very short attention span. I mean, I just I feel like it's a method. Web3 has been a method to expand or grow the new generations of, you know, certain companies, audiences. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. Um, interesting that you looked at that up on chat GPT. I think the, that's just kind of a an indication of where we are with, with the tech right now. I think that's awesome. Uh, by the way, that information before came from Colton Rain, who I, I, that might be Andy behind there. Um, so I appreciate that you calling that out um, because we were kind of getting that wrong in the beginning. Um, but let's go around the hands and then we'll, we'll pop around to Colton Rain. And uh, we obviously have David here and some others. Uh, Matthew, what's going on? Yeah, I, I mean, the whole publishing industry as a whole is going through a huge shift. I mean, no one's making the sales they used to. And now clickbait is becoming the new byline. You're kind of, that's their new uh, way to engage you or to pull you on to grab the magazine. So that kind of, you know, strategic marketing, it, it's going to just be perpetual. But as far as like these different, especially with Condé Nast, like Condé Nast has already been engaging. I know Vogue Singapore is heavily engaged in Web3 as well as doing, I think it was a full issue uh, dedicated to Web3 artists. So, you know, they're already on the cusp of how they're going to try and move. But honestly, there's no money. Like, there is no money in pub like publishing anymore. So a big aspect of this is they're going to make very small inroads and very key collaborations or little moves that they're going to try and see how they can find like financial viability in these kind of projects because you know they're not looking to do anything because they're all losing tons of money daily because most of the companies don't want to put ad spends in a publication when they might as well just put it on you know a reddit feed or onto one of these websites where they're going to get more traction so when you're looking at the publication and what's happening in the industry yeah there's a shit ton of like crap articles because so much of what needs to be done now is like quick fluff just to create constant engagement or to keep up with an algorithm the same that everyone in the space has an issue so you always have to kind of see yeah it's a big publication or what the publishing industry used to be it was a big publication but now what the publishing industry is you know we need to start looking at how these companies are trying to re-solidify themselves in a contemporary zeitgeist and they're going to be grasping at a lot of strings hoping to see which one's actually latch on or what communities are embrace them in one way or another. Well, I, just the thing to push back, I, I, I must have a bee in my bonnet this week because it's been a long week because I'm just going to go with it. But like the thing I, I, I actually agree with your point on the whole, the thing I push back on is I don't think that their model, I think their model is dead, but I don't think what they're doing has to be dead. I think it's like Blockbuster didn't die because people didn't care about movies. Blockbuster died because they didn't want to do a streaming service and they wanted to have tapes. And I think when I look at like, um, you know, what with the publishing industry, who's pulling in major money? Barstool Sports is getting acquired. They have Penn National acquiring them and they're doing major advertising deals. Why? Because they pump out really good content in a variety of niches, whether it's chicks in the office, whether it's, uh, pardon my take, whether it's spit and chicklets, they cover on a deep individualized level things that people care about. And I think with GQ, it's like, you know, or any of these publications, like, how long are you going to spit out a print magazine? How long are you going to spin out uh, a, um, you know, an online, uh, you know, sort of like written magazine in that sense? Uh, again, Barstool being the model, it's like they pump out tons of content on their website. They have a relative freedom to do that. And I know they're a very specific type, but I think part of it is, is that. 
part of it is the model of people now preferring less bullshit in this world because I think, um, you know, one of the things they do well, and I use them as an interesting case study, like regardless how anyone feels about like them as a company, the reason I like the model is it's like the number one sports podcast isn't Stephen A. Smith, uh, you know, entertainment, although he's plenty entertaining. It's not, you know, the sports reporters back in the day sitting there saying respect the game of baseball. It's two dudes who sit around like fans talking about sports like they're a bunch of meatballs, which is like what people want. They want that access and they want that information and they want to feel like they actually are listening to a conversation. Why is Joe Rogan popular? Why does he make a bag? Because Joe Rogan, besides being like extremely smart and talented at the things he does, he also... Uh, is talking to people and having an actual real conversation over a course of time on on really deep subjects of things where people are passionate. And so I, I think like, you know, within any industry, like people always talk about like, you know, the publishing industry is dead because X, Y, Z. And to me, I just think that they're not modifying based on what the current model is. And they're all behind, like when they're all starting podcasts now, that was what you need to do 10 years ago. And so I just think there's like, um, you know, again, like the, the industry not evolving. It's like GQ, there is a market for fashion. There is a market for people who care about fashion. There is a market for men's fashion, but the market is probably taking people, you know, who understand men's fashion really well. Like if you had a queer eye for the straight guy, like podcast that came out for, uh, you know, for, and, and talked about fashion, how to wear, how to, you know, what you should like, there could be an actual like real niche there that people like myself who look like they get dressed in the dark could listen to and actually be better. And so I just think there's like a lot that is missed in this industry uh, in that sense. And instead they're like, you know what people want? They're like, do they want maybe a podcast with like deep information that people will sponsor because they want to listen to to get information? They're like, no, more thirst traps from the college kid who does gymnastics at LSU. It's like, it just doesn't add up to me. And, and I think that that's the growing problem with the industry. It's, it's the lack of evolution based on what people actually want versus like trying to like modify their current model and take this square peg and stuff it into a round hole it is, I don't know. That's no, my well, I think what's interesting and what I was going to bring up and we'll get to Ape Mother next is, is you brought up the, the blockbuster thing. And that's kind of what I was going to ask Matthew um, about, or, or just the, the, the stage. Is it dead or is it more of like a blockbuster situation? Like what if magazines became more experiential? Like what if you could kind of, you know, uh, interact through things like QR codes and or um, even even embedded chips or, or things that could like raise the bar. Is it truly dead or do or, or are they turning a blind eye to the technology in the same way that Blockbuster did um, and having a hybrid here of something that could exist? And is someone going to come along and do that? Because like I, I don't I, I think that's today's generation. My other question on that is like, does that change? Like, you know, we're not developing the best human beings today. I think we kind of could probably agree on that um we need a shift in that and i hope that that happens but like as that begins to happen do we pivot back towards um some of the things that matter more more in the physical and tangible and are there ways to revive that so eight mother get in here and we'll go back to matthew but uh come on in hey everybody thanks for having me on your stage uh first and foremost if i just shocked you because my voice is not a woman uh i just quick backstory. I started a project. The idea was like, how do I uh, represent my Web3 persona? Well, I want to take care of everyone and bring them into a community. I want to be like the mom of apes. So anyway, sorry for the big shocker. Um, no, just I know case. you already. <laughs> okay, great. Um, Stacky, it's so great to be here. When I saw you were hosting this space about the GQ stuff, I got really excited just because I really love fashion and 
Um, I think there's just so I have so much to say about this. And I actually like, even in just the last bit of conversation, wrote down so many notes to come back to and talk about. Um, but I just want to like start by saying, like, you got to start somewhere. Like if, if you're going to expand your business and like evolve with the times, like you have to start somewhere and GQ taking this leap, whether it's late considered late or not, like I consider it early, um, in the scheme of lot in the scheme of NFTs, but it is a little, you know, feels late in terms of like the amount of saturation in this market, but there's just, there's so much opportunity. And I think it's really important to remember how much, um, culture and, and how big of an icon GQ is. Uh, I think the number one question that we're all trying to, to answer is like, well, if you're going to make money on this, how do we justify the spend to invest in it? And I think there's a lot to unpack there because uh, I think GQ coming into the Web3 space is really bullish. I mean, last year we're talking about if you're if you're a Web2 business and you don't have a plan to diversify and like make a Web3 play, then you're going to be dust in the next decade. And like at with GQ being such a uh, a landmark in the fashion industry in my opinion i think this is super important uh, i wrote down a few points to share which is like one they're bringing in this first issue i think people are maybe not seeing the whole picture and maybe i'm speculating because i don't even know the whole picture i've done as little as much research as i can but like the artists that they're bringing in in issue one is is really cool and i love what you were saying about this potential of the the future of these publications and how interactive they can become. I mean, some of these artists are going to become, uh, not only are they bridging the fashion and the art industry, which has an extreme amount of synergy already, but they're, they're going to become probably some of the, the next best augmented reality fashion artists in the space, in my opinion. And I think that's the thing I'm most excited about for onboarding individuals in this ecosystem over the next decade is how how will augmented reality play out because i think that's where we're going to get the most uh utility and just see the most real world application of our digital lives crossing over into our physical lives and so i'm just really excited that uh gq who brings together all these veterans in the fashion industry and really starts to make them think seriously it's time to not ignore web3 anymore because my kids kids or even like my kids, whoever it is, they're going to be thinking about not only the the new hoodie that they're buying IRL, but the hoodie that they get to wear in the metaverse, which could just be an augmented reality thing. And they get to experience that, see it, like you said, click on a QR code right then and there, but also just like it, get to be acquainted with some of the, the underrated artists that are in the fashion industry. I think just like the, the, the old like starving artist thing that we we heard about for so long, it's still true. And it, it's not just applied to like oil painters or to musicians. It applies to like fashion artists too. They're, they're flying under the radar. Their work's very underappreciated. Um, Obviously, these first artists that are being showcased have incredible resumes. They've worked with Nike, Mercedes, et cetera. But uh, I think the future of these journals is going to provide potential access to some of the next best fashion designers that are going to bridge digital fashion and physical fashion and allow us to get access to some like super hype beast beautiful art in the fashion world. And I mean, that may sound not that um, you 
like not that much utility to some, but like for somebody like me who lives out in the sticks, um, I love being introduced to new artists flying under the radar. I love dressing up, even though I'm out here and nobody can appreciate it. But when I go to those IRL events, when you see me at NFT NYC, when you see me in LA, like these are the times where I like gather all my inspiration from places like GQ. I don't know. I just, I'm really bullish on the whole thing. Um, I think it's going to be a really good play for GQ. Obviously, yes, it expands. It's a potential for them to fumble the bag, but it's also a potential for them to like move their brand forward in a really positive way. Um, I think the only piece that is still missing that probably everybody's coming to the table with is, well, if you're going to make money on this, how are we going to make money on this? And I just, I think it's worth noting that like GQ probably in the near term isn't even thinking we're going to make money on this. It's probably a massive L for GQ compared to all their other revenue centers. Um, however, like in the long term, it's really important to lay the foundation now. So anyways, I, thanks for the stage for a minute. Like I've just, I think this is awesome that GQ is making a play into this space. Yeah, I, look, I, I agree with you. Definitely awesome that they're making a play. I just, like I said in the beginning, uh, obviously the um, the mint price had me a little a, a little jaded uh, that I thought, and now that now that's been clarified, I hope they succeed. I don't necessarily think this is a losing proposition. Their Discord already has, uh, hopefully it's not botted, but it says thirty thousand, which isn't obnoxious if you think of the places that they probably could have advertised this. Um, so let's see. You know, the jury is going to be out on that. But where are we with hands because now I'm so we you. had um i know uh cotton rain came and put their hand up is, I know is that andy it is it's been a minute i was about to say a little i see the little hand yeah i think that is hey guys thank you for having us up here it's been a minute since we've been up um but i, I mean i'm i'm really hopeful that gq does this well i mean the more that they come in more brands that come in like this the better I, in my opinion, you know, we need them to succeed. Like if they fail, like the repercussions of like the failure just has massive repercussions across the entire space and everybody. So the more people that start to to win, um, the better. So I'm, I'm really, I'm not bullish, but I'm definitely hopeful that they do things uh, the right, uh, the right way. Now, if I'm, you know, I think, you know, I just said to James on the, on the side is like, well, if I don't, if I'm not going to the Man of the Year awards in December, like I don't want to, I don't care. Like that's the only GQ party that you want to show up because you're rubbing shoulders with like everyone, you know, in Hollywood. Now, if you can get access to that and they open access to that, like that's that is pretty epic. Like, but if it's an average GQ thing that anyone else can go to, then then that's kind of average. So it's all in the proposition. What I would say is, I mean, I listen to the spaces, I've been in the Discord, like. I'm confused. I don't know what I'm getting. I don't know what I'm getting for 0.2 ETH or 2 ETH or you know, whatever the mint price is. Like, I just don't know what I'm getting. So it might be vague intentionally. I hope, it's, uh, I hope it is vague intentionally and the rollout plan of, of what they're going to offer and what it's gonna, you're going to get. But that's super critical. Like, I, I really like the analogy with Blockbuster. Like, the, the, the interest in the content is not dead, but the medium of print is, you know, where everyone's moved on. So I think it's, it's great that they're exploring this, you know, new frontier. It's all in the execution. And I'm, you know, I'm rooting for them to do it right, as opposed to do it 
in the typical Conde way where it's, you know, deal first money, you know, money a close second and partnerships third. So we'll, we'll see. But my biggest, my biggest bugbear with this is that I don't know what I'm getting. I just, I'm so confused by the proposition. Um, I think if they looked at content, if there's a, if there's a kind of a, a bar stool meets top shop meets, uh, you know, um, Time Magazine, I love what Keith did with Time in the covers, like that became really collectible and interesting. Like if there's, you know, if, if there's something, an artistic, you know, expression of GQ that I haven't seen before, but I would, I would be paying for exclusive content with all of the talent that they have. If I could get access to behind the scenes interview something that you know from lebron to you know to brad pitt to whoever's on the cover that month or whatever that looks like that's that's a value like the beauty about gq is that the access that they have to talent and the content they create like that's a value so again i don't know what they're gonna do i hope they do it really well um but i definitely think if they do it well they could market a product that's highly collectible super rare, super scarce and interesting and fun. Um, and I, so I just really hope they don't fuck it up. Um, I, I'm, but, you I, invigorated me. We all unmuted at the same go, time. Go ahead, Stucky. No, no, no. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. And that's kind of why I was super excited for GQ and it was for the exclusivity, right? Just like, like the, the meeting of the people, the me feeling like I'm a part of the kind of in crowd, like the art so much, it doesn't excite. I, I don't think it, it will excite people who are, uh, who know what GQ is, right? Who somebody like in the Web3 space who, oh, GQ is here. I would like to participate in their NFT. And, and then you have like, you know, we have a party, but it's not something that is GQ-esque, right? It's it given the essence of GQ. And I, and if you know anybody who's uh, works for GQ or anybody, please ask them to come in here. We would love to talk to them because we really want to know what's actually going on. I mean, whoever can give as much information as possible. So go ahead and tag your friends if you know um, somebody who is a part of this NFT drop. Well, well look, here, here's my thing. You, you invigorated me on, on this, Andy, in terms of my thought process. I don't care if it's 2ETH or 0.2ETH. There's got to be clarity around some sort of an exclusivity play on on this because i agree with you not obviously man of the year would be great um but they throw a lot of events like a lot of events so there are a ton of opportunities for them to um create opportunities for this membership right and what it's it's not that many members i think it's 1600 or something if i remember reading um but point being it can be super scarce in that in that case. They can create a lot of um, experiences through exclusive content, like you said. So, yeah, there's there's a massive opportunity for them. But to your point, like, are they going to do what every other massive brand has done? I don't necessarily know because I did see Keith Grossman um, up on stage. I know he's involved in this, and I know that he's actually been in the space for for a minute and, and kind of has his finger on the pulse of like probably the right way to do this so hopefully it doesn't get fumbled but i'm with you on that um i need clarity but let's let's keep rolling around real, real quick James, no, no no real quick i mean like that's my like thing is like i am in the same uh boat uh, you know as as you andy in the sense that i 
I want it to work and I want it to succeed. But the part that worries me about a lot of brands that come into Web3 is that they don't seem to have a plan. And I don't want it to be another thing where I have like, it's like half of these PFP projects that drop to PFP and then either they have to pivot really quickly or they're like, let's figure it out. There are PFP projects I know that do focus groups because they basically don't have a plan of where they want it to go. And they're like, community, tell me, which it's one thing to get feedback from the community. It's another thing to drop an NFT project without an actual sort of plan of action. And, you know, Adidas into the metaverse is one that I'm not, again, I'm not trying to fund them because I thought early on it was great. They partnered with Bored Apes, they partnered with Punk's Comics. And then it's like, it basically held this thing for a year. Now, look, I made a bag. I got two. I sold one for like well over two weeks. So like, I'm not complaining from that point. Like nobody's, you know, cry a tear for me, but anybody who held basically held for a year to get a neon jumpsuit, a beanie and a hoodie. Now that is that worth like five, $6,000? Probably not. And they're like, Oh, we're going to do phase two. You know, we all joked around about like those metaverse wearables they drop, but like what's happened since then. And like, it just feels like I get web three, like, you aren't always going to give all the information and no company should because no legacy company does. But I feel like a lot of these, it seems like they're dropping without a plan. And when you have Porsche with their vague pieces until they close the mint and then they add stuff in, when you have this, when you have McRib, like all these different drops that you've seen from legacy brands, a lot of them have been flops because they're not really thinking through how the technology actually plays into how you use it and how it actually empowers a consumer or brings a consumer and a brand closer together with aligned incentives. And that's what I think like gets missed sometimes. And my worry is that, you know, is GQ, cause I went to the website and I scrolled through it and it's like, okay, cool. It looks like I'm doing flat. I don't know if anyone's done it. It feels like you're doing flashcards when like you're a kid and you like scroll down and scroll your button and just like flipping like GQ's getting you this. And I'm like, there's like, it feels like I'm reading a roadmap from the summer of 2021. And I'm not trying to be hard on them. Cause I think it could be awesome, but like, Reading what looks like a roadmap from 2021 from a profile picture project from like Bulls on the Block is not an ideal scenario for like a major brand coming into the space, especially in the fashion world. And I'm not saying they won't execute on it. I just sometimes question like, why would you not be like, this is a membership. Here's what the membership gets you. It just feels very uninspired and sort of unoriginal. And I just, I would rather see them be playing in closer to what they're doing versus and having thoughts around their business than coming in the way they're coming in with these vague roadmaps. Because, like, what am I minting for points? Now, I'm glad I know, like I said, my bad, hand up. I, I had heard two ETH as well, and I'm like, that is a fucking bag. But, like, even at point two, like, what am I minting for whatever point two is at this point? A fifth of, you know, 1,700 bucks? Like, that's, that's you know, not anything small. So, you know, I don't know. That, that, that's here, here's the thing, though, and I laughed before on the Adidas thing, because if you remember, we had the conversation where I was like, hey, I hope this tracksuit and that, you know, whatever that wearable was, wasn't the only thing that you guys are going to get from this. And still we're here talking about it. So look, the, the, the only saving grace with that is the blockchain is, is immutable forever. They can go back to these NFTs and they can create value. That's the glory of being a massive company with a gigantic budget. They, they definitely can, can do things with them. It kind of sucks though that, that they're an example of like, you know, shoot first and ask questions later, which is what they did. Now, if someone like GQ, they've got a gazillion dollars, like money that that's just stupid money um, at the end of the day when, when you go all the way up the chain, they could really have spent a lot of time on this and done something really profound and thoughtful. We don't know if they're not doing that, so I'm not going to sit here and say that they're not. But to your point, if they do something that is kind of like more of the same, 
that that will be concerning out of the gates and it is vague and unfortunately vague is more of the same like i don't know why people don't want to come out and just say um from that standpoint like because they don't it's not like someone's going to front run them with the money that they have unless there's some wild plans behind the scenes but but i would love more clarity because they get in these spaces and it's just very vague but um is it janie stacks all right janie go ahead Okay, I was like, wait, was that the go-ahead from the powers that be? Otherwise, Janie will go. <laughs> I, did I, was go, go, go ahead, Janie. Come, come on in. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, first of all, um, I just want to hit you guys with some stats real quick because I'm nerdy and I just did a quick calculation um, <clears throat> because that is important because it is about money and it is a market, right? So, yes. Uh, I think someone made the comment earlier. Sorry, I was uh, trying to multitask and I just was scarfing down dinner so I could join this space. Um, but we're talking about 0.2 ETH, right? And there's 1,661 in terms of supply, okay? And right now, I just checked the ETH price is 1697.36. That equates to about 563K US dollars, okay? And I think the thing is, as I was listening to all of you guys share, and I think that everyone has valid points that you're bringing up um, is that in a way, this is literally just startup capital for them to build out this area. Yes, there is money. It is part of a bigger media group. But, you know, as Matthew was alluding and Matthew does work in publishing as well, is that and, you know, Mary Beth also, you know, was talking about the different ways and angles that GQ is going in terms of editorial is that there's a lot of changes in terms of the market with media and media needs to play in media, which is also web three, right? Of all the technologies that's actually coming in where people's attention is. And I remember, I mean, again, I feel like I date myself when I say this, but um, you know, just working in the fashion and beauty industry of building brands, launching them and scaling them across business strategy, brand marketing, even, you know, having worked in merchandising and ops as well is that, they need to be in this space and whether or not they have a clue or a lack of a clue, they want to play and this is their way in. And at least they can, you know, clock in this basically half a mil to figure it out, hire the right people, ideally speaking. But I think the really interesting part about this, because um, Steve, like you, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I started doing some digging and I agree it's totally like a flashcard in terms of their website, but I kind of like it because it kind of brings me back a little bit old school, you know, in terms of the, the windows and, you know, the MS DOS, like those kind of days. But as I'm looking at this, I mean, I'm running through their roadmap and I'm kind of like chuckling to myself a little bit because yeah, okay, I get it. Y'all are in New York. You're going to launch a party during NFT NYC. There's a lot of question marks in terms of how big NFT NYC is going to be this uh, year in terms of sentiment, right? So that's one thing. But the other thing that I found really interesting is, you know, here that they write, get exclusive access to merch. And what you get as, you know, special founders only is first in line access to future drops, capsule collections, collaborations. That does not mean free. That does not mean discount. Okay. So I want to be very clear about that. Second of all, let's talk about media and how they work in advertising. You know, when Allure or Vogue or Harper's Bazaar or GQ or any of these brands talk about the merch that they're super hyped and excited about, there's ad spend and there's actually money behind it. I've worked in, you know, media and publishing previously um, on the editorial and styling side. And literally, you will get called out 
from, you know, different people in advertising and, you know, the editors and whoever it is saying, hey, we have a deal with XYZ brand. There's a million dollars that they're spending on ad spend. We need to mention them XYZ number of times. So even if you agree or don't agree that their product fits your editorial shoot, figure out a way to make it work because we promised them that they would be in this editorial spread. Okay, so I wanted to mention that as a point. And second of all, I'm like literally dissecting their roadmap and giving a business analysis um, that maybe I need to turn into a thread. But the other aspect is- Oh, please turn it into a thread, please. I will, for sure. Um, Secure the GQ box, okay? First of all, with this, when you read it, and this was a huge issue with clones, right? US-based members can claim a free GQ box. Okay, I repeat that again. US-based members, because when you're having that whole thing with the clones and being able to claim things with Artifact, it was a big issue in the community. And a lot of it is either licensing or partnerships or shipping or whatever it is that they have an issue with. And what it says in that box is packed with products that are specially selected, rigorously tested, and totally recommended by GQ editors. And if you're not in the US, don't worry, we have something special for you. And I think this for me was really interesting because again, it goes back to advertising and partnerships and brands that they're partnering with um, with a money-making deal. So again, this goes back to even what you're reading in magazines, that things are paid and sponsored. Yes, there are advertorials that you can actually buy in a magazine, but at the same time, in these publications, what these people and editors are reviewing, they're getting gifted or it's being influenced by advertising spend. So, and that's the same thing when you walk into a store and I worked in retail my whole career is when you walk into a beauty store, you walk into a Mac counter, you walk into Charlotte Tilbury, Chanel Beauty, whatever it is, there is incentive for every single product that that associate is actually pushing on you. There may be $10 against, hey, you know, I sold you Estee Lauder A&R, which is that brown bottle serum that is supposed to make you look younger. And even with that, there's something there that there's an incentive and it's all connected to it. So what is in that box is gonna be dictated by advertising spend, by their partnerships and whatever else is happening. And I mean, yeah, okay, great. You get a free one year GQ print magazine subscription. Yes, some of us are old school. We like to read print and we like to read magazines, but we can't you know, negate the fact that things are going digital. And um, I think someone touched upon it earlier that there's a whole, I think it was Steve about like a new influencer content creator generation that what they're posting is becoming you know the new it thing it's the new news but we're in such a hyper fast-paced environment in terms of you know media and what's being produced that people really really want to know and consume things you know as soon as it happens and we expect that when mint kind of mentality not just in this you know dgen web 3 space but also in web 2 and, you know, I mean, great. I, I, I'm just reading through the last page and I'll, I'll stop my analysis at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, the drop, it says, is only beginning with GQ or for GQ3 for announcements on events, merch, token gated access to big GQ projects. And of course, more in our series of drops spotlighting our favorite artists. Um, again, what I reiterate is that this is, in a sense, a launchpad, a business partnership they are making money. They are trying to make money. Let's not be like naive about it. 
it's about money at the end of the day and delivering value and putting themselves on the map in order to say that they've made this splash in Web3. And I will stop there because I think I just, uh, you know, got really excited analyzing this because I get super nerdy about these numbers and business analysis. But there's a lot of things to unpack. Uh, but I kind of wanted to give you guys my commentary while reading through their website. So I hope that's OK. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good, it's good, it's a good breakdown. I, I would say like one thing I'd, I just would build onto that is look, I, I have no problem with, I want to go back to what like, um, the ape, ape mother, I think I got it. What he was saying earlier is, um, the, like, he was saying like, I'm excited. They're coming in. That's good. I, I'm with that. It's just, there comes a point when it's like, if you want to test and learn, I'm totally down and it can be a very safe environment to do it. Pepsi dropped free NFTs with 0% royalty. They had certain accesses. They sponsored stuff at VCon. They're and like whatever they do long-term, who knows? But it's like they weren't being extracted. Now, yes, there's secondary markets and people are, but they didn't make any money there. So it's just, there are ways to do it without being extractive and just being like, we're experimenting. Uh, and again, maybe people don't care that they're funding their experiment. I'm not saying that it's going to be like this astronomical amount of money they're making. Um, but that to me almost makes it worse to some degree. Cause it's like, okay, like, sir, is this like some like offshoot section of your company that's not involved with the rest of leadership? And that's not good. And I don't know if that's the case or not, but like a vague roadmap of, you know, seemingly random mint price that I'm not sure I understand. Like there's just too many things that just don't seem to add up on that website. And it's like, you know, if you want to do something for free and experiment, great. But like being like, hey, you're getting your money's worth in the party and your subscription. So your set, your set is like a weird way to enter web. Like you're giving a subscription to a print magazine through a web three application. That's like the equivalent of the guy who's doing pull-ups while writing a spin button. It's just, it's not necessary. It's not how that's used. That's Steve. not how any of this works. <laughs> sorry, Steve. Uh, your analogies are the best. And sorry, I know that there's a huge line waiting, but I just want to say I'm with you totally on this. Um, I, I think, again, way that Nike um, acquired Artifact, like I really respect the way that they moved in the space in terms of like an acquisition and then, you know, justifying that market viability financially by showing primary and secondary sales. But I think what's missing for me here is the ethos of Web3, which is co-creation um, and the ability to profit with the brand. That is something that I don't see. And that is something that, again, if there was a free digital membership and it could be a 10K run, a 20K run, maybe you just convert anyone who already has a one-year membership and you make it more dem uh, democratized because that's what Web3 is about. But this is a you know exclusive um, membership that, you know, you're token gating, you know, a one-on-one -on -one conversation or like a round table or a dinner or something with some famous like celebrity or stylist, or I think some of the guys were talking about that as well earlier, that it makes it worth the value. But I'm with you totally on this, that I'm not sure that I really see anything different than funding their existing business model and clocking in money. And yes, they are a business so they need to make money um but uh, also that point that you made about the disconnect between the web3 um you know 
branches or departments versus Web2? Because I know you were saying for Starbucks, they get it. But Starbucks was one of the first people that actually went into, you know, mobile payments. And they're huge in terms of tech, retail, media. A lot of these companies, when you sit on a board, even, you know, um, a few years ago, talking about omni-channel and e-commerce or social media, no one wants to pay nobody for influencers, content creation or anything like that whole advent of having bloggers in the space that eventually now these bloggers are literally the ones that are taking over fashion week. Like that was completely unheard of, but um, I, sorry, I'll just end there. Cause I know that there are a ton of um, people waiting and I can't wait to hear what you guys say. And I will hit pause on myself. Yeah. I'll, I'll rotate hands here. I just um, like last thing I'll say on it. And then I, I promise I'll stop ranting. I don't know why I'm on one tonight. Is You are on one, Steve. Go ahead, Steve. I'm on he, with you, Steve. Let's but I did want to let you guys know we got Kevin in here. He's with GQ, the team at GQ. And, that, I, and please feel comfortable coming up here because we some of us are really bullish on GQ. Go no, ahead, Steve. Like, bullish on GQ versus bullish on, you know, the execution is, I think, the important part to to, to nuance there. Right. And like, you know, to me, you talk about like a print publication and how you 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 maximize like an NFT. Like, again, this is a harder thing to execute. But like, you know, a Web3 problem solving a solution of a token gate is like if everybody buys a Cleveland Cavaliers NFT, which gives them news to Cleveland Cavaliers, no matter what publication they're reading. So if the Denver Post writes on it or, you know, the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal, that to me is a very logical token gate, right? Because it's giving you access to something that you can validate with the blockchain through infallible ownership in a way you've never done before versus say, you know, giving a, you know, subscription to a publication. You don't necessarily need Web3 for that. I understand it's something that's included, but like, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I just want to see these things more thought out as they're coming into market. Um, you know, and, and that said, I know we have some hands, so I will get off my uh, soapbox. And I think we said we I think we said we were going to go back to Matthew and Mary Beth and then kind of keep rotating hands. So let's go Matthew, Mary Beth. And then uh, Jen was up and down. So I think Jen would be next after that. So I, I love this conversation because there's so many aspects of it that are really important right now. Because one of the biggest things to this whole discussion is we we're talking a lot about them being able to make successful projects. And, you know, anyone can really come up with a success, like a successful whatever they want to do endeavor into the space. But it really comes down to creating an economy beyond just the one project. And a lot of these companies aren't really investing the money the way that they should into keeping the people around to really build out an entire economy for web three projects or for them to really build out an entire industry within it. Like it's really just one offs at the moment. And until you start seeing that kind of actual engagement and proof of purchase, you're going to keep having these kind of one offs again and again. And especially in the publishing industry, so much of what we're seeing is, you know, engagement is shifting to TikTok and to quick engagement into free access. So unless you're creating clickbait things that bring you onto the server to give you whatever hits to hopefully build up your ad revenue, you know, you're going to be playing with the balance. And while Web3 is still in development, you know, you're not going to see a really massive engagement by these companies, especially on a global scale, until you have more proof of purchase, you have better press. Because, I mean, we're still a very insular community being able to talk about Web3 in a way that 
you know, doesn't have the sort of negativity that most of the world actually has on it. So we have to be able to look at it in a really realistic way of, yeah, a lot of these things are applicable. There are really brilliant people to be able to create these projects. But one, there's a lot of negativity in the press about NFTs and Web3. So you're not going to be able to have these major companies coming in and being able to really put the money behind it or being able to build up the staff to keep it going. Because I think a lot of the companies have done great, like individual projects or have started to do the right moves. But, you know, none of them are really willing to pay to keep the staff around or to pay the individuals the right way that it actually is viable to build up an industry. Like I know there's a lot of us in the room that have worked for different companies or have, you know, are engaging in different ways in Web3. And, you know, no one's really willing to pay you for the work. And I think that that's a really big hindrance right now in the development phase because, you know, the money's there, but none of the people that actually are having the Web3 money are investing back into the community itself. And we're relying so much on these major companies and say, well, why aren't they doing X, Y, and Z? And I mean, yeah, they could always throw more money. But the reality is, it's like, you need to start seeing Web3 investing in itself. And that's kind of like my little <laughs> rant on that. No, I always talk about how we need to, like, our ecosystem, our ecosystem needs to be able to fill it, you know, to feed each other, right, in some kind of way. And the more people that come in, and they don't continue that kind of, like, growth in the in the economy uh and they pull the money out then we lose more money here and we lose people because they lose faith in what we're trying to build here so yeah same page matthew but i'm gonna go to uh i know we had our girl jen was up here earlier she didn't get a chance to uh speak i think she got rugged so uh what's up jen the south african beauty oh my god (laughs) i think i'm getting a crush on you you're so sweet (laughs) But um, the point that I wanted to make, I don't want to beat a dead horse because I feel like it's been made in a few different ways. But, you know, Web3 is such a unique opportunity for us all. We should be pushing the envelope, not just trying to jump on the bandwagon. And I feel like, you know, unless there's this huge secret behind this, it kind of seems like they might just be jumping on the bandwagon. I mean, there's so many opportunities when it comes to Web3. And to the point that Janie was making, you know, we're looking for co-creation with Web3. With Web2, we had mass customization, but this is completely different. You can co-create with your consumers. And I just feel like this may have been a huge opportunity that's potentially been missed out on. But that's just my two cents. Well, real quick, the question that I think that people and companies should be asking is, what problem does the blockchain solve for my business? And Mm -hmm. not like necessarily, like why does this better software make things better? To your point, not like, well, let's let's do this Web3 thing and, you know, do some legacy stuff with it. Right. I mean, it's not necessarily solving for for key problems. And we see that a lot with a lot of the legacy brands that come in, which, again, I, I respect them to your point for like trying and wanting to jump in. So it's like I don't want to be like harsh and uninviting, but it's like you also have to be very uh, protective of the fact that, you know, there's extractive situations where we've had, you know, companies come into this space extract a lot of money out uh, and then sort of be like, all right, well, we're doing, you know, sort of the same five things the last company did. And that's, I think the worry is like, you know, thinking about like what problem the blockchain solves for your business is a completely different ball game than like you said, do more of the same. I think you said that really well, Jen. Um, Appreciate that insight. Um, 
MB, I know I said I was going to go to you after Matthew as well, so I want to let you get in here, then we'll maybe go uh, uh, dilute in House of Fashion. Sure thing. Thank you so much, Steve. Uh, Mary Beth Sal is here. So I'm going to just speak in bullet point form because um, I don't want to repeat everything. So the first thing was, so paywalls. I see that NFTs are a possible paywall solution, or at least right now, an experimental paywall solution for content, right? Like that's just like when it, people are like, I want access to um, this content or these interviews. I was like, wait, so you want a paywall? Because I came from the, wait, I used to get this newspaper for free, but now I have to pay for this every month, you know, online. And it's just really an iteration of that, right? Um, my other point was so much to unpack here. Honestly, there's so like something that Matt said, but when Janie was going through the GQ, I guess, roadmap, something about the GQ product box in my head, that's like, oh, that's product placement. That's amazing. So they're going to partner with products that will pay them because at the end of the day, we are the, I, th this is, I was saying this in another DJ network space. Like I've always seen NFT communities as that was my bad. I totally slipped while I was trying to clean my dog's ear. I'm sorry. I'm listening. Wow. That was bad. No, Steve okay. muting people in this space. Too. Wow. I am such a bad fat finger. Wow. Oh my God. Uh, I stop drinking. Hey, Mary Beth, you should be you should be lucky though. He didn't ban you from the room, which I'm actually That's so funny. I've done that by accident. I, You're uh... cleaning your dog's ears, Steve. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't even know why it was honest there. I could have said pretty much yeah, anything that, else. I'm sorry, Mary Beth. No, no, it's okay. I was just so like, okay, paywalls, okay, for media. That's just an, an iteration of a media content paywall. And then when Jenny was talking about, hey, this is the GQ box. I was like, oh, another box. Like NFT groups or projects always have these boxes. But I was just like, oh, well, this because this is what I've been presenting to PFP communities. I was like, no, it's not you creating the box. It's like get brands to sponsor to make those boxes for you so our communities can be focus groups right because i see nft communities as marketing vehicles period like they're communities to build whatever platform you're building or build a brand for it's like um what are the boxes fab fit whatever the, the things that we'll pay and we get the random things and the makeup things like that's how i see it so like that's an avenue for revenue for gq so like it's just so interesting oh and then we want exclusive events and it's I do too. I, I really do. But it's so interesting to me because the narrative all last year was how do we make this more inclusive? You know, so I think there's always going to be some kind of struggle there when it comes to Web3. It's just like, shoot, we got to make these holders feel a little bit special, but we're supposed to ride along with this inclusive cl inclusivity narrative. Like, what do we do? So I just I think that's do if I had to take a guess. OK, this is completely speculative. Do I think that they have a master plan going into Web3? No. I'm I'm starting to see a lot of brands not having mastering master plans. They kind of just go in, find a reputable community to partner with or or do something on their own if they're a media company, okay, we're going to do some cool content, give them something cool and but it's going to be a then what? Like where what what silent gaps are we going to fill between, you know, when it drops and then our next plan of action, right? So like that's a constant thing that I'm seeing um and I I just I think the thing is we were talking like I said in the DJ network space, it's like Someone had asked the question, what is the value of my PFP? And the only answer I, or of my NFT. And I was like, well, 
your NFT's value is worth whatever the next person is willing to pay, period. Whether that's like $50, $500, $5,000. And so like, if they think if if it's their dream to get that gift box or to get to watch some interview or go to a party and that is worth every penny to them, that's how much it's worth, whatever it is. And so like I I just I think that NFTs in this instant particularly is going to be more of a, an iteration of some kind of paywall or I, I, I just see this as like. I don't, are we really building something out here or are these brands building bigger communities and customers? So thank you so much. Well, well, Mary Beth, first off, uh, I appreciate you bringing up some of the things that we had in the conversations earlier uh, this week in DGEN. Um, but we have Kevin here now as well. So first off, Kevin, thank you for coming up. Um, this is like, honestly, this is one of the things that I love so much about Web3 you can have conversations like this directly with the brands that are creating these experiences. Um, and, and you can literally um, really just kind of chop it up and, and understand more. So I do appreciate you coming up. Uh, happy Friday. I don't know if your time is limited. So uh, do you have a hard stop or anything and, and you were just popping up to kind of give clarity or um, did you want to be a part of the conversation and have some time? This is for you, Kevin. Hold on guys. Give me one second okay one all right setting up, setting up my <laughs> microphone so that i'm not talking in the speaker no you're fine go ahead i love it okay how do i for sound a second right i now? thought kevin was saying i'm setting up my microwave <laughs> microphone my all right what's up kevin welcome to friday um first of all uh welcome up, really really happy that you brought me on to talk a little bit about this we're honored first of all that you know our our project has even kind of you know, made it its way to the, the topic of discussion here. I think that's really, really cool. And I think I, I hopped in a few minutes ago just to hear some of the points that you all made. I think, uh, first of all, you're tackling it from like some really intriguing points of view that I don't even know if we considered when we launched. Steve, we might want to, uh, we might want to bring you on to do our Web3 strategy or something because I don't know if we were even necessarily talking uh, a paywall or anything, but that's such a like such an amazing point of view. Not even like kind of what was on our mind, but and I also wanted to say that um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Kevin. I uh, have been kind of running the GQ3, the Web3 arm of GQ community aspect of things, the Discord, the messaging, the social promo, that sort of a thing. Um, so I, I could speak from my you know myself and how I view the project, but uh, obviously, if you tuned into our announcement a couple of days ago, uh, our, our global editorial director, who is, he's the highest person at GQ, came in and talked a little bit about the Genesis drop that we're hosting. And I think when people kind of think about GQ, they, they forget that GQ is there's there's internet there's GQs all over the world. It's an international uh, publication. There's GQ Italia, GQ France, GQ Spain, GQ Japan, and then of course GQ US. So basically, the global editorial director came on. He talked a little bit about like how bullish he is and how excited he is on the space, which I think is like a very uh, fortunate place for for people like me and for those who are you know fans of the space and love the space because 
a lot of other brands, the scenario has been like, and I've talked to many, you know, it's been like one or two fans of the space who basically have to like hop into a pitch meeting with their team and pitch their brand to like give this space a go. And it's a, an uphill battle for them every step of the way. And I think the point was made here a little bit earlier that like the, the brands who enter the space don't hang on to their staff who do that. I think part of the reason for that too is probably because the staff like they're they're really smart talented people and they probably leave themselves to go do something you know more endemic into the space but it really is an uphill battle and it's not been that way here because we have you know the leadership behind it um but global org and i kind of want to just give like the the gq point of view i think it's a good one to have um, because, and it's an interesting one to give because I feel like up until this point, I've been trying to like educate or help educate our audience on web three because GQ is uh, our audience came from print to web, let alone from web to web three. So they definitely are not endemic to this space, but they're endemic to, to GQ and kind of what we're about and the content that we've been putting out for, for decades whether we kind of, you know, it's been, a, the, the brand's been under numerous different management and up until this point, like whether we meant to or not, we've gathered an audience in a community of like-minded folks who share a lot of really core positive values in the world and like about their their day-to-day, -day, you know, with our style coverage, with coverage on watches, which with coverage on fashion, coverage on wellness, We've established this like group of people who are very aspirational, who really are trying to do something productive with their time and with their lives and are, are grinders essentially. And it's been a really positive audience. And up until this point, we've been receiving, you know, very little feedback because the the pathway of communication has been, you know, GQ puts out content and the audience receives it. And that's just, I think the whole staff kind of agrees that that's just starting to feel so antiquated at this point and that the audience and the brands themselves and us who are a part of the brands, like we want something more than that. And we don't want to, the staff doesn't want to put content out into the void just as much as people don't want to just sit there and wait for it we want to start to create like more of a back and forth with this community that we've fostered, this audience that we fostered that we've never had before. And we want to endeavor into this space as a means of basically connecting all of our, you know, offerings that could serve as utility that already exist in our ecosystem. The box was mentioned before, which is like, yeah, it's a way for us to, gather a bunch of products that we really believe in and deliver it to people in like a way that's accessible for them. It's like a, I mean, I don't want to shill, but it's, it's a good value and we offer it for 50 bucks, but it's literally like a value of 300 bucks. And there's like amazing products in it, like watches and stuff like that. So it's like, we have so many things like this. We have this, we have the magazine, we have merch, we have uh, GQ parties, which up until this point have been only industry, have been only celebrity, all of like only exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. And it's like, well, this audience has come with us 
for decades across multiple mediums. And now we have the opportunity to open up all of this stuff and all of this world to them. And being a global network, like truly global network, we have the opportunity to like blow this thing up in Web3 to a point where like, you know, NFT Paris is coming up, NFT New York is on the way. Like we have the ability to have parties and be there every step of the way across all of these events because we're scattered across the globe. So it's basically, um, I feel like the Web3 market, you know, it's kind of nice that it's gotten a little bit bearish in my opinion because it's slowed down enough that we could get our ducks in a row and figure out like, oh, this space could actually help us deliver all of this stuff that's been kind of siloed off and kind of like not been singing the same song for GQ and deliver it in a way that offers us, you know, a sense of community with our audience that we've never had before and also offers us a foundation to grow all of what we're doing, you know, fivefold, tenfold, twentyfold. And I think that's ultimately from my perspective the the goal of of the drop that we're starting that we announced a couple days ago. And you know, I hope that the signs are kind of good for it because like we, we, we've seen great positive feedback from it. And I think, you know, there are definitely brands coming in who uh, are looking for a cash grab and are looking for, you know, who are just being told to, to do an NFT project and, and figure it out. But I feel like, you know, the, the price is relatively modest considering where we want the project to be. And the size is really meant to solidify a starting, you know, sense of community. It's not like a 10K drop uh, cash grab sort of thing. I think it's pretty modest as well because we want like a core group who's going to follow us from the beginning while we figure out like how to establish this global network and how to unite our already existing audience who's into fashion and style with this new budding Web3 audience that's equally as creative, equally as aspirational, and like equally as artistic because there's so much overlap between the two that we just see it as like an obvious next step for us. Sorry, that was a lot. So, okay. anyway, Go ahead, I mean Zach. to talk forever. It's all good. So you know, I'm going to ask you this one question because this has been burning in my head and we've been talking about it like this whole time. And this is the whole reason I'm kind of, you know, bullish on GQ, the GQ drop. And I just need some clarification here because, um, you know, I feel like the stepchild, you know, I feel like with these events, I need to know, are these events open to, um, is this just for NFT people? Are we going to be like, you know, everybody in this room just in one room? Or is it this, uh, do we get exclusive access to maybe events that you already have? Like, how does that look, the events? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say yes to the second part of what you said. And it's, it's going it to be a like combo. It's going to be a Kevin. combo. It's going to be a combo. The first event is in, is going to be in New York. You know, we're based in New York. So that's, very easy for us, convenient for us, for NFT NYC. That's the first event, and that's going to be, um, that's like a, a 
it's not a like it's a holder specific event but like you know if if we have like you know friends and stuff they'll be there too but it's four holders all holders will be able to go and it's going to be like a gq caliber party and i can't get into specifics but i do i hear a smile in to what voice, you said so to what assume. you said you should think you should definitely think about the other you know events that that happen positively i got you i got it kevin <laughs> So just a quick follow-up to kind of what you said. First of all, appreciate you coming up and love the context, especially knowing that sort of the senior leadership's involved. Like you said, that's something that we, I think, talked about uh, on this stage uh, a lot, where our concern is always brands that come into this space and it seems like it's sort of a pet project that's fighting for funding, and that's always worrisome. So so good to hear that there's um, involvement and excitement elsewhere. Um, and, and totally agree, like, you know, NFTs are iterative and a big community process. I guess one of the questions we sort of have is, you know, you mentioned the box, the subscription, and um, sort of there's the vague, um, you know, piece like with the events there, which is, again, great to know that there's going to be IRL and potentially a mix there. And I know you can't reveal much. I guess the question I, I would have is, um, you know, how far out have you, you know, sort of thought about sort of the uh, various levels of utility in this? Is it like, hey, we're looking at this on a, you know, three month, six month, 12 month basis? Like, how far have you thought out on it? Um as far as like what the ongoing pieces are. Cause I, I, you know, I guess like once you get the box, once you get the subscription, once you go to the event in NFT NYC, it's sort of like, what is sort of next from there? And I know that's a ton of value in there, so I'm not discounting that, but what's sort of like the next or sort of ongoing sort of, sort of plan is uh, within that world. Yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna, not gonna sit here and, and pretend that like we have everything figured out, you know, years in advance. That's definitely not the case. Um, I think right now the the utility attached to the project is it, it makes so much sense comp like when you think about what we're already doing and what what you know business ventures already exist across the brand. So this is like a really clean, convenient way to offer you know to to round up those offerings and make them accessible to a new audience that we have never reached before. So that's short term, the goal of this project. And then the long term goal is, you know, the the brand wants to inherently get more audience focused events focused and sort of like giving back to the audience who has followed us for this time. And there, you know, when you throw events, obviously, companies want to sponsor events, you know, people want to get involved it helps them, it provides them visibility, similar to what was being said about the box, like it's product placement, products benefit from being uh, presented and it helps them. So it's a, it's a really nice, fruitful business model for us. And it helps us achieve this goal of giving back to the audience and like becoming a more IRL, becoming a more, you know, uh, like, opening up the events that have been exclusive that GQ is famous for, but that no one gets the chance to go to opening that up to the public so that it resonates more with, you know, with, with people actually, and becomes more of like a real world staple. We know that there's power behind the brand and we want to, you know, make sure that power has a presence in the real world, not just in media, not just siloed online and not just, you know, on YouTube for people who have seen our videos with celebrities. So it's 
to answer your question, I would say we're probably we have like maybe I would say a year in our in our scope because from there it can really grow a bunch of different ways. And we kind of need to see how the short term is received before we think about like how it can grow from there because it could really sky is like truly the limit when you have a brand you know like gq under conde nast like resources are not scarce here and it's just a matter of almost like fulfilling demand like what do people want and are we delivering on the short term on the midterm stuff in a way that is satisfactory and that lives up to our standards can we grow it more or do we need to reel it in? So as much as I'd like to say, you know, we have a plan for years ahead, you know, we're, we're playing it by ear within, I would say the scope of like probably to the end of 2022 or 2023, whatever year it is right now, we're, uh, we're like, we, we know what we want to offer, what we can offer. And we think it could be a really, really good springboard for things to come. No, that's that's good. And I know we have some hands that may have some questions for you, so appreciate that. Um, a pre and like you know, hearing the IRL integration and look, a year is like plenty. It's a matter of you know, I think that that's to your point that the space is very fluid, and so obviously there will be some changes along the way. I guess one more sort of follow up question I had something you said at the beginning there, which sort of you know set my antennas up, which I thought was really interesting, which could be a lot of value to the holders is. You mentioned like, you know, we the box is an example of things that can give back to the holders and bringing the things that you get special to GQ down to the people who hold this. Uh, is something you're considering uh, an ongoing sort of in perpetuity, utilizing those sort of brand partnerships, sponsorships, et cetera, and using those to then, uh, you know, give things or, or give discounted things or opportunities back to the holders uh, in perpetuity? Or is it just sort of the box drop is the big thing there? No, I, I think the, the utility that's involved, the box drop there, it's it's really just to be almost like, hey, you know, we're for real. We have this now. We want to provide instant value for you just offering up your ETH for a Genesis drop. Like, it's almost like, I, and this is totally my point of view. You know, you ask someone else from GQ, they might have a totally different point of view on this. But from my point of view, it is almost like, you know, like we want to thank you right away for even just taking this chance and here like here's your value if you get nothing else you know it's like the box alone the value of the box that like profiting off of the partnerships that we've made that make the box possible it's like the value of the box alone you're kind of getting your money's worth but we know the risk that you made just by hopping in and we want to deliver that to you as well. So, like, take a chance on us. Come to the first event if, if you, you know, obviously become a holder. And, like, we want to, like, show you a good time and actually, like, bring real-world value, actually enrich your life with this project. But, you know, if, if that doesn't work out for you, if nothing else, it's like, hey, we, we, we've got some, some utility for you right off the rip. We, we appreciate you giving us your giving us the time like if you want to flip the nft go ahead but like we really want you to be a part of the community and we want to like enrich our community's lives our audience's lives in a way that we can't do just through content 
No, that, that makes that makes sense. Um, sort of an extension of the brand through Web3. Totally get that. Um, want to kick it. I, I saw Matthew's hand uh, fly up, I think, during and I, I want to kick it to him. Uh, and then uh, Stax and, and, and James, I haven't kept a really good eye on hand, so I don't want to uh, leave too many people on the road. But Matthew, go ahead and then get in here. I'll, I'll definitely start playing any mini mini mo, but we can go to Matthew first and then we can go to uh, Idalu. We didn't hear from her. Yeah, I'll be real quick. Um, I'm just thinking, as far as when you're talking about engaging the community and trying to bring them in, how are you thinking about uh, sort of paying it back to the community if they're going to be engaged in that kind of a way? Yeah, it, it's a really good question. And we, uh, but aside from the, the IRL events, I want to talk about like what could potentially be uh, of use to us like on other platforms like discord for example uh we just like launched our discord back in may um like pretty slow pretty soft launch we didn't blow it up we we really wanted to figure out what our first project was going to look like how we were going to do it it's gone through even a few different iterations before announcing it a couple of days ago we've actually really been working on a few different things and wanting to deliver on the product itself that's really important to will and the brand and hopping on discord you know we, gq is kind of no stranger to investigating new platforms and we've gotten to learn the platform a lot and think it we could provide a lot of value through it because obviously if you've been on our youtube every day every other day we're doing shoots with like different celebrities in the zeitgeist who are flying in and out. We have cover stars who, when they, you know, when we make a deal to have them on the magazine, you know, there's a bunch of stipulations with that deal. Like you have to do a YouTube video, you have to do this, you have to do that. And we see Discord as like a way we could be additive to those offerings and to, you know, holders and people within our community. We have a chance to like bring those same celebrities on in the form of like AMAs and stuff and give you like not the produced version of them, not the like, you know, prim and proper and edited version of them, but like we could have them come on in real time and chop it up with people who are big fans of them and who are like also in the zeitgeist and also understand what's going on. And they have a chance to experience these people and these celebrities and like the people that they're fans of and stands of in a much more raw way if we do this correctly and if we provide the foundation that makes it as enticing for them as it could for a potential audience. So I'm excited for the possibilities of content creation that exist on Discord. I know Discord is kind of, you know, viewed as a as a tool maybe more so than a than a like content platform, but I think we're positioned in a way that can actually like make it really, really fun for people to tune into our Discord. And I personally, as someone who's worked in content, um, I'm a little bit more on the strategy side of things these days. But if we have the ability to like introduce this like raw form of content to an audience, as opposed to like an edited and you know, like and actually show the real sides of some of these really great people that we get access to. Uh, I feel like that's a content creator's dream, and I'd be like really excited to do that. Uh, sorry, real quick, I was thinking more so in the sense of if you're engaging the community directly, 
are you going to be bringing them in to collaborate as well as a part of the community? Or is it more of just, you know, being able to like have spaces and be able to integrate the celebrities into the space? No, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely look for opportunities to like bring people in to be a part of the project as well. Right. Like even our discord is a, a ton of designers, a ton of graphic designers who are fans of GQ and are fans of the magazine because of like the photography we do, the styling we do. They're not just like, you know, fans of fashion, but they're working in the industry as well. And the people who do that for us are, are some of the best. So we're always going to be looking for opportunities to like showcase different people's work and talent in there. And I think there will definitely be opportunities to, you know, we'll always engage the community uh, to entertain them. But I, I think we'll be looking to put people on for sure. I would definitely look at the Web3 community. There's incredible artists and creators in the space and paralleling with them and looking within Web3 right now would be a really wise way to maneuver. I totally hear you. And um, I think we, we kind of, instinctively jumped off of that uh, springboard in the beginning when we wanted to deliver on the product of our first project and we recruited, we, we took generative pieces from uh, four different artists, I believe um, like two of whom have really strong Web3 followings and two of whom do not, two of whom like we've worked uh, to like at different cadences with and who we've almost like kind of introduced to the web three space um, because they uh, one artist in particular, Kelsey only hand draws her work. So you could imagine how tough that is to uh, convert that into, you know, generative web three pieces. But um, we have uh, Rio and Chuck who are like two who, who have just been doing amazing digital artworks for so, so long and who are becoming, you know, like, uh, if you could be a veteran in this space, but they're veterans in this space. And we we took cues from them and from their work uh, in the in just the digital space to really round out what this collection could look like underneath one banner, the banner being just the editorial banner that we gave them, very general, which is change is good because we really wanted them to have the opportunity to shine underneath their own thoughts and works and inspiration. Dilu, go ahead and get in here. Then we'll go uh, Mary Beth, Colton Rain, and down to Janie. Hi. Hi, everybody. Um, my comments were before Kevin um, came up, but I, I guess, Kevin, you can kind of take this as more of a, you know, kind of caring advice from, you know, the people that are just here every day grinding. It comes back to something that was talked about at, at Coffee with Captain and Steve with, and Janie just brought it up in the beginning, hiring the right people. And I feel that, you know, Web2 companies will go to LinkedIn, they'll make, you know, the post for innovation, Metaverse chief officer, whatever, you know, the title that is, they're going to get a hundred resumes of probably people that are not really in Web3 you know, and they'll start hiring them versus just going into 
you know, the Web3 portals that are actually, you know, having the people that are actually grinding every day in Web3. So I think that makes a difference when you're building a team that's going to be in your Discord, that's going to be creating the content, that's going to be, you know, thinking about what this community, you know, wants or is expecting or, or what get this community excited. So I think just understanding those those dynamics, um, because there is a difference, but that, but on the other hand, I also see, you know, GQ kind of like the example of Lacoste, which they have a massive Discord, like massive Discord. They were able to onboard a bunch of people into their 10,000 project PFP. And I haven't really like caught up with what's happening in Lacoste right now with that project. But it, it, it is interesting because you guys are bringing a lot of people that will be really interested in what is this Web3? We love um, JQ. We're loyal to the brand. So we're definitely going to try this out. But then the, then the key to that is like onboarding the 100,000 people that you're going to be able to onboard because they already follow you. And then keeping them, keeping them in a way that they're like, oh, this is cool. This is, this is what we like. But it's just like, oh, we, we, we tried it. It's a trend, you know, like, you know, maybe most of the other companies are, we have to just like try this, everybody's doing it versus like, how do we actually do it to, you know, make, give value, you know, make an impact, create, because the value of community is insane. And we know it, we're here every day. We're, we're small, we're all, we're, most of us here know each other in real life because we have been to the events. And it's such a powerful tool that any brand, you know, native Web3, Web2 brand can use to actually, you know, go to the higher power, you know, go to the, go to the moon. And, and it's just interesting. And obviously, it's either hiring the right team, you know, kind of going like the Nike way with acquiring artifact, collaborating, partnership with brands that are already in the space. So I, I think that that's something that it, it has to be considered or it would just be, well, we tried it and it didn't work and we're going to be, what is it, CNN, that they just said we're not going to you know, do this. You know, it, it, so this is, the, this is the thing that we, we see every day. So it's kind of like, like the Tinder of um, Web3. You know, we're just swiping. <laughs> yes, no, yes, no. And then some of them will actually like, oh, we're going to go on a date you know oh and we're gonna go on a second day so and and that's that you know this is kind of like just the friendly advice that um the people here and you know you mentioned paris nft i'm in paris so if there's anything going on let me know <laughs> <laughs> that's first of all so smart i'm gonna just respond to both points but um the the first point uh you know right now i think the brand is just playing to its strengths right now and our strengths are, you know, we we have the these uh, different lists of utility in our ecosystem. So our strengths in, you know, the partnerships we've been able to make with brands and giving that to our audience, we have that down. We have strengths in um, putting, you know, what's cool out there through the lens, you know, it through a lens that uh, helps people access worlds that they never would before. So we're kind of, we have, you know, brilliant designers who had eyes for great artists. The work is not done by anyone who uh, 
is like full time at GQ. We, we commissioned artists for this who wanted to be a part of the project, and the artists came from who people whose work that we really enjoyed in this space and outside the space, as well as people we've worked with in the past who we wanted a, a chance to work with again. No one at GQ um, has has Web three in their title, which is good, I think. Um, it's just people who are like playing to our strengths in cohesion to make this project work. Um, and I think that's kind of how GQ works as like this, like, you know, a, as a brand of, you know, really not a lot of people who are, uh, who are behind it, making things turn. And it's, I think it's really, as I kind of said before, you know, we, we have, there's no one higher at GQ than Will, and that's who gave our announcement a couple of days ago. So there's really full buy-in from the brand into the space. And I think, you know, no matter what happens with the first project, we obviously want it to be a success, but we're prepared to like do the work to make it a success as well. And I, it's really not going to be a one and done. It's, it's really going to be an entrance into the space. And we think we have the tools to make that work. And there's nothing going on, unfortunately, at <laughs> NFT Paris because it, it's happening before our drop. But I bet you if the timing was a little different, there, there could have been. But if you happen to be in New York in April, you should definitely let me know and we, we will hook you up for sure. Question real quick before we go. I think it was MB, Colton Rain, and then Jamie, Janie real quick. Um, you mentioned uh, a couple times the community and, and bringing them in. Are there, is there anything you've learned from the community, uh, bringing them into that discord, things that they want or want to see in this project that's caused you to sort of, whether it's pivot or add to your plan? Because I know like one of the best parts about NFTs is that instead of having to do focus groups, oftentimes the community asks the questions or gives you answers you weren't even looking for. Uh, have you had any of that experience yet in the Discord or with the community yet? Um, or is it, um, is it still early days there? Uh, I would say it's still early days. Uh, it's, and it's definitely grown uh, exponentially in the past couple of days. Uh, so it's really almost going to like, it, it might even you know transform the community that we've had before because it's, it's just such an influx of people now. The the one thing I will say is that I'm really like pleased with how uh, people from uh, definitely the Web3 space have come in and seen some things that were like very GQ specific, like um, uh, posting like big fits and like wrist heat for our like watch channel because watches and these like, you know, crazy style moments are are very gq things and the way we phrase them in a very gq way but like obviously not everyone is into watches so when people came in from different web3 channels and different web3 communities from some of the people that we've talked to on spaces and from some of the communities that we've had the pleasure of interacting with over you know the past couple of months while we kind of got our footing here uh it's been really promising to see them just fall into you know that sense of understanding of what we've been doing and, and kind of share in the passions of what is already in our ecosystem. And there are constantly, there's a, a steady influx of watch picks going in that our watch writer Cam loves kind of fanning over. And it's like, it's, it's kind of validated in our, in a sense that there's a lot of crossover here between 
what we've already been doing and who is taken to the Web3 space. And as we do more spaces, as we venture further and further, and hopefully with this project as well, uh, I think we're going to see, you know, that the audience that we've kind of always been gearing our content toward has always been, you know, is the very same people who have a proclivity for the Web3 space. But honestly, I would say it's it's kind of early days in in the sense of like the community making us pivot one way or another or, you know, saying something that kind of has us uh, shift gears a little bit because, uh, you know, we're only a couple of days in and we've we've revealed only so much and we've not much more than the utility and the artists, but so far it's all been positive, which we can definitely, you know, be happy about in the early days. And we will be all ears with our community if like we make a move that doesn't work. And I think we'll have that flexibility to pivot if we need it. No, that's good to hear because I think with big brands uh, sometimes and, and legacy brands, it's the worry is the ability to sort of turn the ship around. And that's definitely part of, uh, I guess, the Web3 ethos. Uh, Mary Beth, go ahead and pop in. Hey, thank you so much. Hey, Kevin. Uh, my name is Mary Beth Salas. Thank you so much for taking this time with us. I have a quick question, and it doesn't really have to be GQ specific. Um, regarding, for example, well, okay, for example, your current readership of GQ, online, glossy, or your loyal subscribers. I was wondering, like, is there, have you found ways or are there just general ways where you take those loyal subscriber subscribers and bring them this way? Because I, like, I, I see the Web 2 aspect coming into Web 3 and then gaining all the Web 3 audience, which is super awesome. I was just wondering, like, how... Um, you know, companies, especially media publishing uh, organizations are approaching like, hmm, do we corral our current subscribers and our loyal readers um, together to go into Web3, check out this, you know, NFT project that we have? Is that, you know, a viable ancillary sales funnel? Is that even a thing? I was just wondering your general thoughts on that. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a thing, but we, we definitely made it a thing before our project. And we pulled a lot of levers to bring in people who were already in our audience and in our subscriber base to give them like the first chance really to be a part of this community. Because it, like I said, when I came in, I've up until this point, uh, this is the first time I'm, uh, I'm making the, the GQ pitch to the Web3 audience because I've been making the Web3 pitch to the GQ audience for so, so long. And it's it's been silent efforts, but we tried a lot of different things. And honestly, it all was met very positively. Most of it was, was effective too. From, we actually um, took a, we had a page in a couple of our issues, a few of our issues, um, that was just a QR code to the Discord and was like, GQ's entering Web3, come on in, be a part of the community. Uh, before then, it was like, hey, like, we're, we're figuring this out. We don't have a project for you, but like, come on in and talk to the editors. We're going to have them come on. We're going to, um, you know, rate your fits uh, and, and just like have a conversation. It was really just a means of a back and forth. But we had that in the actual mm -hmm. like print magazine for people to come in which was really cool to see like 
people come in and be like, hey, I've been a subscriber for 20 years. I just downloaded Discord because I saw this in the magazine, like really happy to be here. It was like really touching to get those intros from people who ha like really this is a foreign space to them. And then on top of that, uh, we obviously put out newsletters and put out um, uh listings in our newsletters to our, uh, you know, to our uh, admittedly a, a slightly older uh, portion of our audience. And they, once we kind of spoke about the utility and about the prospects of like having live events and going to a party, that really resonated with them. They have no idea what Web3 is, what minting means, what a wallet is, but they were really, really intrigued by the fact that like GQ seemed to be establishing a community and like we have these channels where our loyal readers are and we gave them really the first chance to like be a part of it and we gave them an ample time to like learn what we were even talking about um because when we launched the discord back in like june that's how long it's kind of been up before we like even announced the project or anything um we uh launched it in accordance with a uh metaverse issue which like during the peak of uh the markets and when things were you know really like at peak hype we spoke about you know some of the big players in the space some of the blue chip projects um like board ape and uh we talked about some of uh the people like even like just who are in the digital space the esports space we like kind of included it all in the magazine and really brought it in front of an audience who that was all foreign to, but we wanted to like educate them and explain that to them. And uh, people who came into the Discord, like the first thousand people who came in purely through organic channels um, had a chance to snag an OG role and they're gonna be on a guaranteed whitelist for the project. So they, if they, you know, came in through those organic channels and were our endemic audience, not WIMP3 at all, they're going to have the opportunity to, like, you know, follow us further because we want to give them that trail the entire way. And there's a lot of those folks, and it was cool to see the Discord, like, contain those folks and have that back and forth that we've wanted so much. And obviously the Web3 outpour of excitement has been really, really fun, too. And, like, it's it's probably going to transform our community a little bit but like it's going to be super exciting to mix the two and those who have been working on the project already see the common ground there and like already have a vision forward and i think it's just a matter of conveying that to everyone else and everyone will kind of see like it'll it'll all start to make sense i really hope thank you so much i appreciate your insight Steve, can I, can I hop in real quick with a question? So, so Kevin, I have a, a question in regards to, uh, it, it sounds, by the way, it sounds awesome that a large part of the initiative really seems to be um, to onboard your current audience into the space. So you've been educating them on, on us um, or on web three, I should say, are there, are there plans? Like, is it a two pronged strategy? Are, are you planning on working with and or highlighting web three native fashion uh businesses and brands um which to me I, I i was always curious like that would seem like a low-hanging fruit in a sense in terms of how to ignite 
who is here or or is it bringing in the web 2 audience and educating them on web 3 and then having web 3 be a part of of that onboarding journey or 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 do you have plans um to the former that i just mentioned yeah you're right that it's it's low-hanging fruit and we've started doing it you know i would say very minimally but back in uh december we we hosted our first like web3 focused spaces on gq was very you know new to people but we invited um bobby hundreds to come on because he's like the perfect person to like explain that bridge of understanding between uh like the fashion world and the web3 world because our audience is massive fans of him massive fans of the hundreds and we have been trying to strike you know trying to showcase admittedly people with a foot in both worlds we know there's a ton of artists in web3 whose artwork is really revolutionary and really deserves to be seen. But as part of this onboarding ramp, we really wanted to like showcase and uh, highlight people who like Web3 endemic folks would gravitate toward because of their involvement in the space and people who exist in the fashion world and who exist in the world that we've covered. So we had Bobby Hundreds come on. And we had um, Betty from Deadfellas come on because they were doing a collab with Wrangler. And Wrangler is a jeans company that our audience like loves and stands. And when they were doing a collab, it was like, oh, it, it couldn't have been more perfect for us. It was like, like, you guys know this jeans company. You guys love this jeans company. They're doing this thing with... Uh, the, the leader of a, a zombie PFP project and we're gonna we're gonna explain more. Just hop in the spaces and learn a little bit about it. So we've just only begun, you know, that effort and we're going to continue it and it's going to, you know, continue onwards past the project. It's something that we want to work into our everyday content programming and we will and we've included um other uh, members who f kind of fit that same like middle Venn diagram section. Um, we had uh, the Hape and Diesel come on because that's another perfect example of like um, a fashion brand getting involved with the Web3 world. Uh, and next week we're going to have Tom Sachs come on for the same exact reason. Um, so we are making that effort in going both ways. Um, and trying to appeal to both sides of the coin because like we we just see the opportunity to carve out this space and we see so much common ground there and we want to unify that common ground and unify our community on top of it. I think that is like uh, the, the keys to success and the keys to a, a really healthy foundation for a community. Andy, pop in here. Thanks, guys. Um, Kevin, thanks for coming up. And again, there's, um, this is Andy. Uh, I'm from Colton Rain. Um, you know, the, I mean, we've talked a lot about this today. Um, you know, I think everyone in the room they wants GQ to win. Uh, and it's important that GQ wins, um, not just for GQ, but for the entire space, right? For all the builders, all the people who have been grinding, all the people that have been doing this for like, you know, months and weeks and, and years on end. And it's, 
Um, it's awesome when uh, brands come into this space uh, and they come in with legacy and heritage. And that's super rare because that's not always the case. Legacy is, you know, you know less than three years old uh, in this space. And one of the things when I, when I hear you talk and I, and I think about the project and I'm hearing what I'm, and what I'm hearing is that, you know, exposing them to the GQO eco ecosystem, be it subscription boxes and whatever, you know, there's, there's so much more than GQ than that. And there's so much more to GQ than, you know, some in real life events. And I just for pray and hope that, you know, not just for the success of, of GQ in this space, but also for all of us in the space is that brands, they come in, they, they, to Steve's point, they solve a problem or they identify a white space or they go to a place where others haven't gone because they have the balls uh, or they don't have the brains or they just have the gut feeling or they have, uh, you know, the in intuitive nature to, to, to go where others haven't before. And, you know, speaking frankly, like GQ has permission to play. Um, I just hope GQ plays in a way that is very much purpose-led in the space that toggles both real life and, and Web3, um, that solves a problem um, and creates something new and is innov innovative. You know, the innovation components of what GQ can bring in the space is really what's going to not just be key to success for GQ, but for all of us. Um, and when I get, when I hear like subscription boxes and in real life events, I get really nervous because I'm like, where is the innovation? Where's the white space? Where is this, um, thought leadership that really takes leads and promotes, you know, and on boards, you know, readers of GQ into, into web three. So, um, I don't really have a question. I just have high expectations of GQ because, uh, you do have the legacy, you do have the heritage, establishing the permission and being able to play in ways that haven't been seen before in the space isn't just critical to success, it's critical to all of our success. So, um, you know, there's, you know, James is, you know, I applaud James for, our, for Clubhouse and, and what he's doing because he's creating something from scratch um, and something that hasn't been done before. And that takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of work and, and all of us realize how much work this takes. But um, I just hope that GQ blows people away in this Genesis drop because you only get one chance to drop. And uh, I hope it just doesn't end at in real life events and subscription boxes. Yeah, that makes, I mean, that's, great you know words to kind of heed going forward and it's uh, i i don't want it distilled into just parties and subscription boxes i think it's kind of been the focus of discussion for a little bit because it's you know short term what's what's attached to the project and i'm just kind of looking to educate people on what utility is coming right off the rip and why short term you know that's part of our genesis because it you know the the ecosystem that we've cultivated and that our strengths playing to those strengths 
have led us to is being able to like offer what we think is a really strong offering for a Genesis drop, a Genesis drop that's really meant to cultivate the first step of a community that can help us do much bigger things moving forward. I think that's ultimately the goal. And it's, it's tough to speak about it in the scope of like, you know, we just announced a couple of days ago and we're, we're gearing for this drop and what we're going to do in the future and how it's all going to tie together. Because I think a lot of it is going to be listening to the community, listening to the space and being flexible, remaining flexible and playing more and more to our expertise that's led us to this point, that's helped us cultivate a brand that even has, as you said, you know, the permission to play. And we're going to really just continue to do what we've always done, follow our instincts and listen to the, the audience, listen to the community. Uh, it's le gotten us this far. And I totally agree with you that there's bigger things than just those things we mentioned. And there's more opportunity. There's more potential for GQ. And we need to build our way up to those possibilities. I think we can do it. I think these are really strong first steps toward doing it. And I'm hoping that the community we establish here and the groundwork that we lay helps us get to a point where we can really innovate on the space, where we can really uplift the space as a whole, not just our involvement in it, and deliver because of the resources that exist with GQ and the legacy that it's established. So um, your kind of words of warning are, I think, really insightful, and we're going to heed them. Kevin, I, I know we have a couple more people, but I just want to say, first of all, as, as Andy, I know, or Andy, I didn't mean to, uh, Andy, go ahead and get back in here before no, I, I was going to say something. No, I was just going to say to Kevin, I wish you all the best, man. Like, uh, good luck. And, uh, you know, everyone's everyone's rooting for you. We all need, we all need us to win. So um, let's go. I appreciate you. Steve, I could maybe do one or two more and then I probably have to split. No, totally cool. I was going to say, I know you probably, you've given a lot of your time. You've been super generous. And before anything else, I, I want to make sure we thank you for coming up here, uh, answering questions. There's a lot of things as we're coming out uh, here. And I also want to say, like, for anybody listening, I'm hyper empathetic to the fact that when you're working on something like this, there is only so much you can say. There are some things you can't say. And so I am hyper aware that um, you know, it's been a couple of days, you've announced some initial utility, you're open to pivoting, you're going with the community. So first of all, appreciate that, that you're in a, a weird spot when we ask you a question. And even as Stacky was doing there, and we could almost hear a smile in your voice where you're like, I can't quite go there. Um, totally get that. So one, appreciate you coming up here and, and having this conversation, uh, especially to this crowd, right? It's a fashion oriented crowd, fashion and web three. So this is as target of an audience as you can get. So I uh, just want to say thank you for all that time right off the rip because I know you're you know, given a ton of time and there's only so much left here. So with that said, I want to throw to Jamie, then I'll go to Double O Flow, and then we will, uh, you know, then we will, we'll, we'll, we'll let you, we'll let you get out of here. But appreciate all the time and coming up, especially because, you know, we're talking about you. You're like, I'm literally right over here. So we appreciate that. So Janie, go ahead and get in. 
Hey, thanks, Steve. Um, hi, Kevin. First of all, my name is Janie or Jumpstart Janie. And um, first of all, I just want to say before anything else is thank you for taking the heat of all of our questions. It's definitely not easy to be in here uh, with these degenerates <laughs> who are, you know, heavy, hot and heavy into Web3, which is why we're here on a Friday evening talking about Fashion Fridays, because it is a thing. And I um, hope we didn't scare you. Would love to obviously have you come back, Kevin. Yeah, if um, you want to come back, we did a zombie apocalypse draft one time. So you're welcome <laughs> to come to that as well. If you uh, want to draft that or movies or whatever we do on our off days. Sorry, go ahead, Janie. No, no, all good. I appreciate that. I am a fan of zombie movies, Walking Dead to Train to Busan. I am Korean American. So if you haven't seen that, it's a good one. I love it. Uh, yeah, it is such a good one. Um, all right, so I do have a lot of questions, and I think Colton Rain in his uh, beautifully, eloquently um, put way, I am unfortunately have an American accent, so I'm going to not sound as intelligent as Andy did, um, but I can hold my own here. Um, I have a background, um, just so you know. I'm coming from um, over 15 years of building brands in fashion and beauty, Um everywhere from like marketing to strategy to comms and events to merchandising operations. I've been around the block, um, literally, uh, when it comes to work. And, you know, I, I just want to say on behalf of everyone here and just let you know that we're here because we care and we're asking these questions and literally having this commentary because we need you know, big brands, we need media companies like the Condé Nast, the Hearst of the world, and obviously with GQ as well being the title that it is to do well in this space. So um, please take this as constructively as possible, whatever we're saying, because I don't know if you jumped in earlier, but I was literally doing a breakdown of sharing the plan that was online and also giving my business commentary. Um, and I'm glad that you stayed and we didn't um, scare you away. Um, but I do have a couple of questions for you. Um, you know, the ethos of Web3 really is about co-creation as well as sharing profits and, you know, all being able to benefit from that. Um, but I'm curious to know from this perspective, what is the plan um, that really captures the ethos of Web3 for GQ? Because that's an area that I feel like for me personally, it's missing. Um, and I obviously say this in a more constructive or the most constructive manner, because when I look at the way that even a Nike or Starbucks are entering into a space, the membership is free initially. And I know that you've um, explained the value of what you're delivering, but so far, all I've heard, um, and maybe there are a lot greater detailed plans or um, maybe it's about actually working it out as you go. But what I've heard so far is kind of this subscription box or birch box model that the 0.2 ETH um, that or about 0.2, I know it's like a 0.1956 number, I believe, um, in terms of the uh, mint price, if I remember correctly, is going to be for the box, which is going to be, you know, different types of merch that you're able to secure IRL events, like with the launch of um, what you're going to be doing, obviously, in New York, it totally makes sense, NFT NYC. But what else can we expect in terms of value, co-creation, profit sharing, things of that nature? Uh, it's a good question. Um, and I did uh, catch, you know, uh, when I came in, it, it was not exactly, you know, a rosy environment to jump in and speak on behalf of GQ. Let me just say, 
And then, um, you know, we didn't know you were here, Kevin. That's why. (laughs) I'm just kidding, by the way. No, (laughs) it's totally fine. It's totally fine because, you know, what was being said were extremely valid concerns. And I think, you know, in order to kind of, I I spoke a little bit about it when I first hopped on, but I really um, don't want to harp on the, the, the box because I really think it's such a small portion of what will be the like more holistic uh, pillar in this community building. Um, but I want to go to the point that I made earlier uh, when I spoke about all of the sort of global GQs and how buying into this is meant to kind of provide sort of the, the resource to like establish a link across all of those GQs and across all of where we have a presence all over the globe. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about um, NFT Paris coming up and if there's a party and, and if there's an event going on over there. And it, if it was, you know, happening after we kind of had the, the dropout and, and had the gears turning, that, that we could have had a presence there and we, have, we could have had the ability to work with other uh, projects on having a presence there on showcasing people's work on, um, you know, kind of putting uh, our community on and and people on and artists in the space who, you know, have really resonated in that space and like deserve to have their artwork kind of um, highlighted and and seen by people. We are doing that at a a very small scale starting out. Um, Like I said, the initial drop is artists in the space and outside the space who we really want to feature. And uh, I don't like, we don't have the roadmap for exactly what's going to happen after that and like what each drop is going to be and if that's going to continue. But I can guarantee that like showcasing artists and showcasing creatives and doing that in a way that provides legitimate value to their work and to their careers is something that we want to continue doing. And it's always going to be very much at the basis and at the core of all of our web3 projects and all of our web3 efforts the box the parties all of that stuff it's a way to provide you know kind of like uh like just very accessible value um and enrichment to like people's lives but we see our opportunity through the projects and through the work that everybody that, that, that people in the community have kind of been known to do. Like I said, it's the Discord up until the giant influx we've seen. You know, it's been designers who are fans of the magazine. It's been artists. It's been photographers. And it's been models who, uh, you know, dedicate their lives to uh, fashion and to showing off fashion. We understand our platform and our position to showcase creatives in that way and to provide value in that way. And I, I can't give you an answer of like, you know, exactly how we're going to do that. But I can show you that it's at the core of this Genesis drop that we're doing. It's at a small sort of scope, but it's it was important for us to do because it abides by the core values of who GQ features and the content we feature and, you know, what we try to do with that content. And it's always going to be a core value at the project level and it's great to hear that feedback because you know you said that that piece is missing 
And uh, to some degree, I, I agree with you. It, it hasn't been figured out. You know, it's, it's kind of our, our first step, but it is there. And if we see that that is like going to be where we see an opportunity to enrich our community further, whether it's like the creatives who really resonate with the project and with the artists. And once we tell a little bit more of their story, show more of their work, um, then we will definitely sort of, you know, gravitate naturally in that direction, remain flexible and be sure to incorporate that into the efforts moving forward. Um, I think we have those really good intentions and we realize our ability to do that and we don't want to shy away from that at all. Yeah, Kevin, I know I threw out um, a bunch of questions at you um, and I appreciate your um you know, detailed answer back. Um, I just do want to say one thing, which is um, I will constructively say um, to figure out a way to incorporate the community to help you drive the direction of re-strategizing what it means for GQ to drop GQ3 in a way that makes sense in a Web3 way. Because as I'm listening to you, all I am understanding and still taking away from this is events, um, you know, these boxes. And I, I'm kind of missing the disconnect for me about how this is going to hit differently than a regular style membership. So that's all I'll, I'll say at this point, because I know that um, Zero Zero Flow also has their question. Uh, but I definitely think that there is a real opportunity to make this something very in Web3. So anyways, I appreciate you, Kevin. Thanks for um, coming up. I will be in NFT NYC. Um, I am working in fashion as well, as well as Web3. So definitely open to having a conversation with you as well. Kevin, thanks. Uh, thanks again. We'll we'll go to Double Flow in just a second here. But sounds like, you know, appreciate you being actually not only open to feedback, but I want to touch on something you said very quickly there where you said, look, like, wasn't the friendliest environment because there is a skepticism in Web3 of Web2 brands that come in because there's been some we've been burned before. There's a skepticism of Web3, Web2 brands coming into Web3 because Web3 people can be assholes. So, you know, and, and myself included. So I appreciate you um, you coming through and actually uh, answering these questions. We'll go uh, double O flow and then we will uh, we'll let you get out of here, I promise, and, and appreciate the time you've given us. Double O flow, get in here. Yeah, double yeah, thank you very much, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something right after you. Just make sure you make it a little fast because we are running past time. Oh uh, yeah, okay. So, so like, um, uh, yeah, great questions. Uh, for you guys, uh, like such such an icon, uh, in in like, the industry. Like, what's the real value? Uh, what like why are you guys here? Um, what's the real value that you guys uh, see uh, GQ getting from? uh the web free space like uh i said like nike don't come in here to make money from selling nfts on jpegs man like they, they don't need to like there's there's other values attached to uh your web free community like um what's the what's the core value and uh like you spoke about the, that split coin like two sides of the coin man like how are you how do you approach those two different uh uh yeah there's two different sides man uh differently um have you got a solution mate you talked about onboarding uh people like uh yeah so yeah what what's the true value for you guys and uh how are you how are you differing your approach to onboard both sides of the coin uh yeah I, I think the value for us is we have you know we already have a, a, a giant 
uh, audience that is endemic to us that loves GQ as a legacy brand. We have subscribers. We have so many different ways and so many different varying levels of uh, basically, you know, subscription already with our audience. And we basically see this as an opportunity to get, you know, give that, you know, subscriber base, that audience, that um, uh, community that we've already established in kind of the many sort of siloed GQ fields that we have, the opportunity to bring all of those folks together and the opportunity to bring all of like the sub communities that exist within the GQ ecosystem together under one unified umbrella, under one unified project where they all experience the same uh, really premium access that we can provide as a legacy brand all at once. So it's, it's basically a way to kind of unify our audience a little bit while also expand into the Web3 audience because from our just, you know, very like infancy in the small efforts that we've done in, you know, hosting the panels that we did and bringing the Web3 community in through the channels that we have, we like have seen that there's so much common ground there and that there's an opportunity for us to expand, you know, our reach a little bit more in a way that is no different than the ways that we've done it in the past and that we've done it through, you know, previous channels and that we've done it on previous decades when previous versions of tech were available to us. So it's, it's really kind of just, it, it seems like an obvious next step and it seems like the relationship that people want to have with brands and it seems like a really unified way for us to provide that uh, at a deeper level than we have before. So I think that's kind of the value. Yeah, no, and it was mentioned before, you know, that the value of community is uh, it's exponential, you know, there's, there's no limit to it. So if we're able to kind of start fostering that in a way that we can truly build it, up to limits, to never-ending limits, which I don't think we've set the foundation for through our other means at this moment, but I think we can here, then the value that that can provide the brand is infinite almost. You know, there's no limit to that. So that's the value that it provides to the brand. And in the onboarding, the kind of two-way onboarding, I think that's kind of, it's almost happening naturally in a way. It's our, you know, just kind of, playing in the space, being able to play in it and having that permission as it was, you know, very eloquently put before. Uh, it hasn't just been like, hey, you know, we see this influx of, of Web3 endemic um, communities come into us and be a part of our community and enrich us. You know, we're also, you know, flying in the face of a lot of criticism too. And there's a lot of folks, uh, members of, you know, uh, other parts of our audience like it's not all people who are really excited about this some people are really against it and there are brands as were mentioned before who've kind of announced hey we're not going to enter this no matter what and they've already shut the doors and not only are we being you know open-minded to the space but we are putting our necks on the line a little bit as well by entering it and we are dealing with criticism ourselves and I think that's happening because 
we ultimately believe in it and we think that this space is the future and we want to invest in it. And I think that's why our leadership is involved. I think that's why I'm here on a Friday night. And it's why, you know, I'm, uh, despite, you know, very real and smart criticism that was happening when I joined, you know, I, I wanted to say GQ's piece and try to like explain it a little bit from our perspective to you guys. And I'm so happy I did because I think the criticism and the well wishes and all that you've given me uh, have been really, really valuable. And that insight, I, I can't appreciate it enough. So uh, as much as it might've been a grilling, I really uh, have learned quite a bit from hopping in. And it's really good to hear the perspectives of so many people who have, you know, who love this space and who have also worked outside of it for really, really long times and are providing that insight from the same perspective that, um, you know, I'm starting to develop uh, also working in, in kind of both sides. So uh, I really appreciate it. I'm happy I came on for sure. And I'm glad that the majority of the sentiment seems to be rooting for GQ and that all of the criticism has really, really been constructive and has been fueled by, you know, we it, tough love almost like we want you to succeed. We want this to work, but you need to think about it in a you know, smart, real way. So I appreciate the perspective a lot. No, thanks, Kevin, for, for coming on. We we definitely you, you absolutely nailed it. It comes from a place of love where I think everybody here is hard rooting for GQ to succeed in this space, right? That's what we want to see happen. And so appreciate that. And no doubt in my mind that you have the best of intentions on everything you're doing. So, um, you know, thanks for hopping up. And somebody get this man a PO app, I Survive Fashion Friday, because he uh, he stood in the pocket and took it. But... Get, get this man. Oh, the answer, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah a glass yeah, we'll, of bourbon we'll and a PO app, right? Yeah. Kevin, ahead, this is like sense. fashion month, except, um, you know, fashion Fridays, but the real fashion Fridays and fashion month, it happens on the mean streets of Twitter. That's all I got to say. Appreciate you, Kevin. We're, we're like, you know, we're like your mom. You know, we, we have to tell you what's right. We just have to tell you because we're rooting for you, really. We really are. And we want to see this do well, because if you do well in this space, then, you know, everybody in the fashion space will do well for sure. So I just want to say thank you for coming up here um, and thank you for participating. And I do hope you come back. I really do. So I know you guys drop. Um, when do you guys drop, if you don't mind? Uh, it's going live March 8th at 12 p.m. Eastern time. We would love to have you back around that time if you if you would love to join us because um, we I mean some of us may purchase purchase this uh, pass. Many of us will, I think. I think it's yeah. uh yeah. I mean, I think it's I. Well, I think this again. This is this is no better audience than a fashion Web three audience to talk fashion Web three. So if you're open, we will definitely have you back, and uh, the questions will be a little bit more prescriptive, I think, for sure. But uh, appreciate you coming up. Like I said, you you stood in the pocket, you took them, and uh, y you walked into a space that was you know questioning, kind of like going through like the roadmap, and I think you colored in the lines quite a bit for us where, you know, we, we weren't sure what we were seeing there and you were able to add a lot of context. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Kevin. We cannot thank you enough for giving your time to us coming out here, educating us and our audience on everything you're working on. And again, we are hardcore rooting for you. Believe us when we say that. For sure. I appreciate it. I'll definitely be back. I had a good time. 
thanks to everyone. I really appreciate it. And I, I'm glad that uh, you feel like hollered an alliance here because that was really why I wanted to come in. That's what I sought to do. Just give you a little bit of like how we're thinking about it. And yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you March 8th. Um, but I'll definitely be back here and uh, maybe we could set it up right before then because I would love to, uh, to, to pop back in and mm -hmm. uh, maybe do another Fashion Friday. Let's get it. My birthday is March 9th, so, I mean, you can definitely make sure you, you live up to what you're saying right now. I'm yeah, if there's free <laughs> NFT, yeah, I, I yeah. No, I, I can't. I can't. I was going to say. Anyway, but no, thanks a lot. <laughs> Go ahead, Go for the, Appreciate the, the you. Have a great weekend, everyone. You too, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. All right, he's going. All right. What, 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 Staggy, Staggy vying for the allow list at the very end. I love it. What are you talking uh, about? Steve was asking for a free NFT, James. What are you talking about? Steve almost got a job. So Steve did almost get a job. I don't know. Steve's Steve Steve third job, isn't he? I have four jobs, Steve and it's the third time I've been offered a job yeah. live. Stop, yeah. stop bitching Steve out. He's got too much work to do. Family never sees him. I, it's I, called I, refer someone else, Steve. I, I I'm pulling. This. I'm you, pulling for. I'm pulling for allow list spots for Fashion Friday. You guys, this is what I'm pulling for. No, no, no. Look, like, obviously, we 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 want to definitely have Kevin back. And I will say this: it it takes a lot to come up here and and talk to an audience of uh, of a DJs, people that have been in the fashion space for a minute, um, but just people in Web three that are obviously very passionate about the tech and 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 the longevity of the space. So, I mean, I definitely commend him. Um, Interested. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna dig into this deeper, and and I hope they have more spaces, uh, and 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 participate. Really, honestly, just participate because it, it kind of sounded like participation is probably gonna go a long way. Um, because to me, there there might be some questions there that, uh, you know, still need to be figured out. But but, yeah, I'll I'll definitely pick one up. And I heard my wife in the other room say she wanted one. So um, that's right. <laughs> it'll be interesting. It's space, just saying you have all committed. I, I mean, the man came up. I compared one of his utilities to someone doing pull-ups on a spin bike, and he's like, I'll come up and answer some questions. So shout out to that guy, right? <laughs> and he's like, Kevin's like, like really truly like I, I mean this. I'm not just saying that because I know he's gone now. Like, I wasn't just saying that to his face to make I mean, I really do truly respect somebody coming up, standing in, answering questions because it was it was not the friendliest space, as he said early on. And regardless of what we think about the utility and the stated, you know, things, he was giving us what's out there. He was giving us a little bit of extra detail. And regardless of what your thought is initially on it, um, have to have a ton of respect for him coming up here, answering those questions, standing in and uh, and giving us, you know, straight answers on a lot of that stuff. You know, on some of it, he clearly couldn't talk. And I, I mean what I said when I understand when you sometimes are working on things, you really, 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 really want to say certain stuff. And you really, 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 really can't. And so he's probably also in a tough spot. But I will not be surprised if, you know, based on how receptive he was, if he goes back and says, here's five things uh, that I heard from these assholes on Friday. And he'll probably go back and give us uh, some, uh, you know, some some perspective on on the things that we brought up. And so I'm, I'm hoping that we can, who knows, maybe we'll help shape the future utility of this thing, right? So I appreciate that. For the Actually, record, I we think it's... I'm sorry, I think I, I think it's less about being an asshole, but more about being wankers. I think there's a there's a great great British term there. There's only there's only three types of people in the world. There's assholes, wankers, and tossers. You either fall into one or three of those categories. What's but the I best? Thought, What's the best one? I don't know what the the best that's... the best the well the nicest is a tosser, the second is like a wanker, and the worst is an asshole. 
So you have to be. So Colton Rain just said what I was going to say, but in a way more elegant way. I was going to say like, Steve, we were we were like, I don't know, we were friendly, but we weren't assholes. But it's just like, look at who's on the stage here. Like we come from insanely wildly cool and you know professional diverse backgrounds. So we obviously have constructive feedback or questions out of pure curiosity. Because we want them to win. Because if they win, then like we have bigger chances of succeeding in our own ways. Yeah, that's like and the the one thing I came back to because I went through, I went through many waves of like, okay, how do I how do I frame this up? And I went from kind of like not very nice to trying to be more diplomatic. But you know, James, you know this man, like putting together being on one side of buying versus the other side of selling and minting. Like it's a whole different game. Like I've done, I've never done anything in 25 years more stressful, more difficult than going through two mints. And you literally go through the tumble dryer. You go through, you get spat out the other side. You're barely alive. You haven't slept for like, you know, five days and it's really hard. So I, I, I kind of think it's, and I kind of took a step back because, you know, it is really hard and I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the effort that goes into it. I just want to make sure that the effort that people put into it is matched with the same purpose-led thought leadership to make sure that they've thought this all the way through. And, uh, you know, again, sometimes it's easier to do by learning than have it all figured out. Um, and again, like Colton Ray, man, we've, we've made so many mistakes along the way um, that we know uh and we learn from and it's 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 a continual state of learning and but but this is this is probably his best worst audience that he could have walked into so i again i i I take my hat off to him he couldn't have stood the course and landed for an hour which is pretty pretty epic yeah i just i learned something today don't unless you're on private mode in your browser don't google tosser versus wanker is something i also learned today so what? i just want to make sure i yeah well no we were told there's to- tossers wankers and assholes and uh if you google tosser versus wanker don't do it unless you're on <laughs> private mode on your browser it sounds like so i've it's, learned it's yeah, not it's, safe for work no it's nsfw for sure so just that's also something i learned but no great i love what you said there at the end as, as a side note and then i know we're winding down here and I'm going to probably, um, you know, ghost out of here in a second, but like, cause my family's looking at me like, where is our dad? Um, but like, I, I would say like the, um, you know, what you said there, the best worst audience. I love how you said that because it really is like everybody in here and Mary Beth, you as well. Like the way you said it, it's like, we, we are rooting for them to succeed and want them to win. And so the feedback, it's very much how a lot of NFT communities happen where, um, you know, when, when certain people in like a doodles or moonbirds or board Ape community are like giving feedback, the founders will take pause and say, okay, these people really care. They're not just, you know, throwing shade at us because they're angry or whatever. And I think this group was very much that way. And we, whether it was Janie or, you know, or, or anyone else or, or Colton rain or any of us or Andy, you know, it's, it was, it was giving feedback for the sake of like, look, this is our concern. This is our big watch out. You're talking to a fashion, fashion web three crew. As, as Mary Beth said, from all walks of life with different backgrounds. So just worth, you know, worth noting that. So I think you said that really well, Andy. I, I'm going to sneak off stage um, to eat with my family, but I, I appreciate like that he came by today. And I think that was, that was a really fun fashion Friday. Again, shout out to him and, and can't, uh, can't say how awesome that was uh, to, to just stand in there and kind of, you know, take the questions. So appreciate y'all and uh, love the fashion Friday crew.
Well, we've got a couple more hands. Let's hit them and then we'll close it down. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, everything that was said needed to be said in that regard. Um, let's go with double... Uh, double O flow. Double, double O flow here. What, what's going on? I, I, it just like shifted for a minute. Sorry. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's like uh, I agree, man. He did a good job answering those questions. There's some tricky questions, can't man? Like, uh, it was good. It's good, good to listen to. Definitely, man. It's like... Uh, it's, it's GQ, man. It's like an icon in in this space. Right? Like, uh, and you, want, we want to know what they're doing, man. Like, because uh, they know their stuff about uh, about like maintaining uh, about maintaining an image, man, being successful all the way through. So it's it's just interesting to see what their approaches are. Um, uh, yeah, it's definitely. But uh, I thought the innovation, man. Uh, the question about innovation, I, I thought it was almost coming unstoppable. But um, uh, I think it, it's a tricky one. Innovation. Do you not think like Sometimes there's so much innovation at the start of a project, man, that you just like it's, it's over complex. Like, um, I think like once you've got everyone in, man, like that, you're that's when the innovation, man, is so important. Like, the next steps you do, man, to keep that momentum, to keep the like uh, the journey going for your customers, man, because that's what the value I see, man, for these companies is they've got that new personal connection, man. Like, uh, it's not like an, an email send out that it's like spam. Like, uh, they've chosen to have this, uh, this web free like relationship where you can reward them, like, all the way. You can just drop a reward on all your most loyal customers, man. So, like, uh, yeah, man, innovation is key, though, definitely. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, it's a great space, man. It's a great space. It's a good question. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely I'm a I'm a GQ fan, so you know I'm like fangirling at the same time as just just hearing y'all, you know, absolutely do what you're supposed to do, right? Because, uh, you know, I feel like all the questions that you guys asked and every all the input, it was it was valid as hell, you know. And the problem is like you see the glitter of, but you got to remember these people are professionals too. Like, you know, I know you say, um, yeah, GQ this and that, but these people have, they come from web too. They, they worked in, in fashion, you know, they've dealt with, you know, fashion publications, you know, the people up here who are asking questions, you know, they've been in media and things like that. So, you know, we're not, and I think the, the misconception here for a lot of these big companies coming in there are that we're not really that sharp, you know, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, people, coming here and they don't expect to see oh wow it's an actual fashion community of people who are professionals you get what i'm saying and they don't expect these questions so uh i think the surprise here today was there are fashion degens <laughs> there are fashion degens so um I, I hope he really did take some of that back to take some of the criticism back to the gq team you know, that would be interesting to see. And one of the things that uh, as you guys were talking in the space that kind of hit me was it's a magazine, right? GQ magazine, the fashion brands here, the good, these wonderful fashion brands, some people who are up here, some people who've been up here, people in the space. You know, he mentioned Bobby Hundreds. Cool. Everybody uses Bobby Hundreds. You know, we have some actual brands here that could use a publication like GQ's, um, you know, media right their outlet you know we have some really good people here like call it rain is about to drop something james you know he works with other brands also you know uh Ida Lou has uh eyes of fashion who's you know she's all over the goddamn place you know house of fashion uh 
everybody up here pretty much and uh and every and a lot of you in the audience also so i mean you can use a brand like gq you know so to see people come into space and use the same person over and over and over and over and over again it's kind of it's kind of a headache a little bit because like how much homework did you actually do so you know um i i really want him to to kind of like hey there's more than we know you get what I'm saying? And take that. Because I really am rooting for GQ. I really do want to see this shit go because I want to go to the party. <laughs> Trust me, this is getting back. This is getting back to the higher ups. I, I would be shocked if he didn't take some of what we said because he did. He, by the way, he sat down there and listened for a minute and somebody had noticed him early on. Um, and we just kept going, which was fine. I mean, we should, right? Like we should be authentic um, exactly. un unapologetically. Um, but Matthew, I hope he ahead. smoked a ton of weed or drank something or something after this because <laughs> I think uh, his voice was shaking by the end of this damn thing. Well, nerves well I think he started to realize that we were, we weren't going to let off and, and kind of make it all sunshine and roses to end it. We were just going to go the whole time through with the questions. Um, but Matthew, jump uh, jump start. You know, Janie, why don't you uh, come in and then we'll close it down. I just wanted to sort of piggyback on what Stacky was saying with like use how they're coming in and to sort of use these companies for your advantage because, you know, they're just gaining access through you in these spaces. And I think a big thing, especially for native Web3 brands, is to look at Web2 brands as someone to be able to utilize but really protect yourself in the process because one of the biggest things that I'm seeing is this very quick sort of acquisition of other companies or using them to gain credibility and then quickly just dipping off. And you need to be able to create a sustainable economy before you are creating, you know, just a sustainable project. Being able to do a one-off thing is not a hard to do. And being able to actually create a sustainable economy is what the end goal should be. And when you're not bringing in the creatives and the artisans that are within the space first, when engaging in a web three mentality, that's when immediately your back should be, you know, raised because if you're not promoting those within the space that you're trying to access, rather than just flexing, you know, an access point by having a contact over at the right PR agency, you know, that that's kind of bullshit. That's like bullshit placation to, an industry. It really comes down to fundamentally trying to have direct conversations and to look and hold brands accountable both in and out of Web3. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, I had to plug my phone in. But um, go ahead, Janie, and then we're going to go ahead and wrap it up, I guess, because James is... First of all, I just wanted to thank James and Steve because it is past their bedtime. You know what? I want to thank their wives because they don't have anything to do with it. Thank you, James and Steve's wife, for letting them stay out a little bit after, you know, time. But go ahead, Jamie. And then we're going to wrap it up. Oh, all good. Um, I'll, I was hoping we would go longer, but I'm happy to start. I know. Space. It was so much fun. I know. So, I'm happy to start a space hey, don't, don't on me. I, I can sit in the background and you guys can keep on going. That's, that's said I can sit in the background. Janie, I'm down to do a space, too. Okay, Yay, Janie, well, go do it. All right, we'll just do another one then. I mean, unless you guys actually want to stay on. So, I mean, no worries on that. But I just want to say this was absolutely riveting conversation and questions. And I just wanted to say that, I mean, 
you know, I mean, Mary Beth uh, acknowledged this as well. And I think many of us is that we were actually very constructive and I felt like very polite. Of course, we don't have our British accent like Andy. And for- fortunately, I feel bollocks about that because bollocks. <laughs> Sorry about that, Andy. Um, but I mean, when this thing drops and I mean, it's going to be really interesting because, again, we're in a place where we have that desire for this to succeed, especially with brands and fashion, beauty, media coming into this space. And so I don't think that the streets of Twitter may be responding um, in the same way. Um, I think he was a champ, I want to say, in terms of answering all the questions and navigating us because it's kind of coming into a lion's den in a sense because um, I did see him earlier while I was literally taking the roadmap and dissecting it and reading it to you guys um, because I saw a new face and I was really scrolling down seeing who was joining and you know the fact that he's still willing to come up I think that was you know something to commend and I'm you know impressed that he took it and answered the questions in a professional manner so kudos to Um, him to Kevin and also to GQ. Um, I hope that, you know, the lines of communication would still continue to stay open and that they will be willing to co-create and involve the community because we do want to see them win. So let's wait and see. Um, I mean, their mint is coming up in a couple of weeks in early March. And so it'll be interesting how they tie that in to NFT NYC, New York, and how that's all going to flow out. So yeah, cheers to Kevin. I think we all need a drink. And I hope that they pay and credit their artists. So, uh, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to take it a little longer because we didn't talk about the big red boots and Pharrell doodles. So I know Steve really wanted to talk about the goddamn uh, Louis Vuitton doodles thing because he's the like boots are hideous. I'll talk about whatever. <laughs> Come on, Mega Man. Oh, here go Bruce. Come on, Bruce came back up. Get up here. Bruce, Bruce. is like, oh, we're talking fashion, fashion now. Yeah, okay. I was just waiting. All right. Boots. Boots with Astro no fur. Astro Boy boots. How That's who it was, not Mega Man. Sorry. They both got big feet. So, okay, how you guys feel about these boots? Um, you know, the thumb boots from off of Spy Kids. How do you feel about them? I think they're Nobody. fantastic. I mean, like, they're so fun. I love this steak. They're so silly. They're so silly. They look so uncomfortable. I don't know how people's feet fit in them. Um, but sometimes the, it just has to... It's, it's fun to have a little ha-ha. Did you all see Diplo wearing those things? Yes. He makes sense, I mean, come, come on. He looks ridiculous. He makes sense, though. But Dude, Diplo can kind of pull off anything. I mean, he's hot. What are you? What, is that what you're trying to say, Matthew? Uh oh. No, he just has a certain aesthetic that it, it, it's like he's one of the few people that can wear Crocs, and it just feels natural to them. I still hate them, but it just it, it doesn't seem inappropriate. So, what was the idea behind these boots? Because I'm just, you know. <laughs> oh I want to be a cartoon let's make these fucking boots so you know what is the idea behind the boots and I'm totally not opposed to having them now like as some kind of like 
things just to have or put it on my wall, but wearing them physically, I don't think I would ever put it on my feet. So what, what is the idea behind these things? Are they collectibles? I think it's just a viral marketing moment. I mean, it's genius. I mean, I don't even think that they made that many of them. They're sold out before they were even for sale. Um, and it literally has absolutely everyone. It's like the banana from Art Basel two years ago. It's just, everyone's talking about it. It's amazing. It's, it, people hate it. People love it. People, people, it just like, it provokes an opinion and so few things do that anymore. Well, yeah, there you go. It's literally, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Stacky. Please. No, that was it. Oh, just to say like, this is the most brilliant fashion PR stunt whatsoever and I think what Bruce said cap the quantity I mean it's the same thing like business 101 right but this is literally something that's so ridiculous that your average person is not going to wear I think um, I forgot who it was who was up here earlier was saying that you know when they come to the web3 events um, they may not live in like a big city so you may be you know dressed in a certain way and people are looking at you like you're crazy right but like, I think we're reliving that, you know, whole aesthetic of just doing something incredibly wild. Like when I saw it, I was like, is, is this is this like a boot for a Smurf or Santa Claus or what what is this aesthetic situation? Like I couldn't put my finger on it, but totally love hate that situation. Definitely. If you got those boots, you are a Papa Smurf. OK, you're not any regular Smurf. You're a Papa Smurf. So, you know, get the boots, your Papa Smurf, you big daddy. Okay. So what's up? What's up, Stacey? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I fucking love you guys. I hop on the group chat and y'all had me rolling on the ground laughing, trying to catch Stacey, there's no group chat. Oh, y'all had me laughing in the text message because we're all Anyways, back to the boots. Um, I'm with Bruce. I think it's kick-ass. I think fashion should be fun. I think fashion gets really boring when everybody's just wearing the designer pieces and how it comes out on the runway and you want to just, like, fuck around and make it your own anyways. And I love that there's something new. Like, we haven't seen this. This is great. I I agree. I actually agree with you, Stacey, for the provenance of like that, like for that aspect only. However, however, I do feel like people that are great at pushing those boundaries can take what's there and do that. I'm not walking like nobody's walking down the street in these damn like who. And if you are, I want to see you at NFT NYC, and you got to wear that with the yellow tracksuit and the whole thing. Uh, Some of these things that are coming out are just blowing my mind. Wait, the yellow tracksuit from Adidas, right? Yes. With a I with mean, a, a board ape hat. What is going on here? Honestly, the, so it is kind like, of the right. And we were talking about the tracksuit the other day. And like, honestly, the big red boots are the perfect accompanying. So do you think this is like a Web3 aesthetic? So I think we're creating our own aesthetic here. Like That's what I was going to say is a lot of what I've, I've been seeing recently is a lot of designers are even pulling from video game aesthetics or from, you know, shapes of pixelation. And you're starting to see that referential culture coming into designer runways. And I think that we're seeing that early, early phase of, you know, 
influence coming in. And I'm curious to see if anyone else is seeing more of that, especially, you know, looking at the shapes that are becoming more pronounced or even the textiles and the colors to which we're pulling from. Because I I know like highlighters, I thought was going to be a quick flash in the pan kind of trend for a minute, but it's really holding strong for a couple seasons now, or at least keeping that kind of vibrant monochrome and it it references a lot of video games that i I see like bruce playing and you know him watching him with the sims and the different looks that he's putting together playing into that kind of vibe it's interesting to see the similarities contextually through a lot of the collections that have been coming out matthew who did the pixelated um show that they actually did it right and i can't jw anderson did one that was wild i saw that it was wild like so to Stacey's point, which she made before, like, like that to me is pushing the boundaries within, within the realm of like still wearable and cool, right? Like, I, like more of that. To your point, Matthew. You said more of that, <laughs> more of that. Well, like, what? look, do it. Like, that's still that's still taking Web three as a movement and tying it into fashion in a meaningful way that that resonates, that landed, mm-hmm. like. Those boots, when I saw them, I literally busted out laughing when I saw them. I was like, that's a joke, right? And then I realized it wasn't a joke. And then I was you like, said, that's shit, a joke, that's, right? That's, that's <laughs> they are high right? camp. Right? I, yeah. I, like, they're fully high camp. I, I mean, no matter what you say about them, there's something that's going to be in one of those weird retrospectives down the road of like, this was a moment sitting next to a pair of Crocs and probably the furry Princeton mule from Gucci again. Like it, it's that kind of level of artifice. And I, I don't know, I, I'm I'm here for the play. And I think that fashion is, you know, there's such a rebellious side to one element. Like the newest punk movement is kind of this anti-fashion hyper norm core to almost this new, like new wave of cyberpunk, you know, in a very normalized way like it's recontextualizing hoodies in every amalgamation possible and i'm curious to see how it can evolve how it will evolve and you know how a lot of these creators in web3 that are pushing a lot of these limits in what we can perceive or even how people are utilizing ai to you know really shift how we can utilize information and how it's going to start to reflect more in actual fashion shows or in collections going forward. Sorry. We... All right. Yeah, here we go. No, it was giving me trouble unmuting, but um, yeah, like the big, the big red boots to me, it's like the new, like, I know, I know uh, James, you want to say the, uh, it, it doesn't resonate. Right. But we old though. Like I feel like the younger <laughs> I feel like the younger generation loves this stuff. Like they like being weird. You get what I'm saying? Like this is you know, this is them. This is the the big red boots are like I can see my little cousin who has like green dreadlocks, like a uh, badly dye job, a bad dye job and uh like piercings all like looking like uh the fifth element, right? Wearing those boots. I really can, you know, so I, I I do plan on, I think we're going to see some crazier stuff. Just think about the Naruto generation, right? The anime generation <laughs> that was wearing like the headbands around with the little star on it, you know? So I, I can see them 
you know, pulling from like these video games and, and turning this kind of web three aesthetic into like a bigger thing, whether we like it or not. I've got a, I've got a question though, like, and this is a question for James. Like, where are you going wearing these boots? Like, when you get dressed and walk out the door, like, where are you going in them? I'm, I'm apparently walking down the street, going to the movies or something. I don't, I don't know. In, I mean, in Denver, I, like, you, like, going out for din dinner in Denver. If I, if I was dinner in that, Denver, if I was to answer that seriously, probably an event where I literally wanted to make, like, the an impression, most amount a of, scene, yeah, the most, the most amount of noise or scene. <laughs> He wanted to float away. Right. Right. He's going to They seem like the perfect on. boot to wear to Target for some reason. I, I don't know if it's because the red just matches the logo, but it, it, it just, they feel Target specific. Yeah, but people then would ask you for help. They would get confused. I don't I think you work people. there. Like, do you work, work here? <laughs> oh my God. Dude, I would just wear them to the carnival. <laughs> Actually, there. you know what I was thinking, Stacey? You said carnival. I was like, this is total cosplay outfit. This is the next big thing, y'all. They took this from New York Comic Con and all that. Like, Stacks, um, Stacky said manga, but they took it from comic books or from Smurfs or from, you know, Santa Claus's outfit. And we're like, you know what? We need uh, some inspiration. And they, they did a movie marathon or some situation like that. But um, Matthew said Target. I say they take it to Target. That's all. Target. Actually, uh, according to Diplo, you should be courtside at the Lakers or the Knicks. Um, he literally wore these to a basketball game. Did he trip someone? Did they fall? I I don't. I, I he probably tripped and fell. So I know they're hard to take off. Also, so they're also not like they don't feel good too good on your feet. So it's like what you ever wear waders. I don't know if anybody's like a country girl or did some work in the pond or something or went fishing. Mary Beth, perfect. You ever wear waders? They're like the red waders. I don't know. Prada 2016. So right, right, right. What's up, Stacy? Oh, I was going to say, isn't this just a different version of a moon boot? Yes, like, Essentially, it's just a, it's a, it's a modern moon boot. The it was the hottest thing in high school. The oh, every girl them. in my high school had those Marc Jacobs moon boots. Oh. Oh, you couldn't tell them they weren't everything. Oh. Just thinking about it makes me cringe. <laughs> oh, so it, it's we, glory. We just those realized that we had days. some shitty fashion in high school. Remember, uh, the only one that I never wore, that I, now, I never even knew existed, was those those big pants was a jayco pants was they called i don't even know what they are jinko jeans jinko yeah that was you guys i don't know nothing we didn't have those in our, our neighborhoods well, i didn't but... do those either but i know what they were i knew what you're trying to I say i have no clue i'm like hacky sack kids or something like what's that i uh, tell uh, you my korean mom will literally be like why are your pants so big you are so skinny but you're wearing some plus size pants if you don't have an asian mom i mean Depends on your ethnicity, but they can be savage, okay? And she would literally ask me why I'm cleaning the floor outside and bringing that dirt inside and cleaning the floor with the dirt from what I brought in outside, inside. If you follow my jerk, you know what I'm saying? Okay, cool. I had a wasp for a mother, so I was fully there with you. Uh, oh, I feel you. I was not allowed to have the jeans or anything that touched the ground. The hairline was never allowed to touch the collar. I, I remember that. Oh. Oh, the bowl cuts. 
the bowl cuts. Oh, bowl cuts. Really? Oh, my mother used cut. to take me to William and Sonoma what? every season and say, we're going to pick you a new bowl. And she'd give me a bowl cut until I finally begged begged for a birthday present to go to the hairdresser. Do they actually get, like, bowls? Like Yes, my mother actively got a bowl that fit my head in the way that she thought would be nice. And she'd just cut around. And then I'd spend hours with mousse and a hairband at, trying to look like Leonardo DiCaprio and keeping my arches tight. So it, it, it was it was Are a you... really hard 90s life. And... <laughs> Yeah, it, it, Matthew, it was, it was rough. I'm dying because I know that they do that in Asia and bowl cuts are an actual thing, but I did not know culturally. So I just am today years old today because I did not know that that was a thing because my friends, not just like boys, but girls also, they had bowl cuts too. And it was probably the most PTSD from their childhood. So when you talk about haircuts, like there, there's some trauma there. This is like real Jonathan trauma. Taylor Thomas slash yes. Leonardo DiCaprio when he was on Growing Pains. Fully, yeah, fully that. It was it was one of those times, like the '90s. It was you had. I luckily had like natural highlights, so it was that like bleach little highlighted thing. You wanted to have the like McDonald's golden arches in the front, but the only way you could really get it back then, because we didn't have the right products other than some Aquanet, and that would just stick it up like a fan. But this was still pre-Leonardo DiCaprio cutting his hair in the beach. So we're like, this is like earlier on. So we still had to keep those arches and you had to have that perfect little like quaff thing, the like uh, in sync, what's his face? Part down the middle. Yeah, perfectly down the middle. And and it was like ruler straight. And, oh, oh, the times. And my mother literally took me to Williams Sonoma every single year and was like, Your head got bigger. We need to get you a new bowl. And and it was a bowl cut. Like Wait, but Matthew, you realize like the irony of the situation, right? This is not a bowl from Walmart or Target. Your mom took you to freaking Williams and Sonoma to get you a bowl. You had to like... get the best bowl. <laughs> exactly. It's because my mom had stacks of them. So she was like, this is a convenient way for me to also get the bowls that I need to, like, cook with. Because, oh, like, it's a little bit smaller. We cut and cook it, baby. Oh, yeah. Once I outgrew a bowl, then all, all of a sudden she's like, bleach it, and you got a new bowl. All right. This was the big the red boots conversation, you guys. Up. We decided that big red boots are potentially cool. I don't know. what was, what's the What's the sentiment? Well, I think that the boots, especially with the context of talking about Diplo, ties into the la- like the other conversation of Pharrell and Louis Vuitton. Because one of the big things now I'm seeing is the integration of the music industry and especially the key opinion leaders or KOLs of that space coming into fashion and being able to really succeed. I, I mean, Kanye is taboo, but what he was able to do originally with Adidas, especially contract-wise, is brilliant. And seeing a lot of the musicians really thriving within the music in the fashion space, especially when so much of fashion is reflective of the music space, I think it's really fascinating to see, you know, this sort of next step, especially with such a major house taking on Pharrell in not just sort of a collaborative way, but really giving him the reins. I'm really excited to see what his potential is and especially when we've been talking so much lately about 
you know, the music industry in the gaming world of Web3 and how people like uh, Steve Aoki with Deadfellas and with Roblox and how all of these different sort of cross platforms and interoperable spaces, whether it's the gaming, the music space, the fashion space, they all kind of link again back to fashion because it's such a communal aspect and such a global reach. And I think it's really fascinating to see how music is really steeping itself even further into the fashion zeitgeist. Y'all want to uh, add on to what Matt said? Y'all see, y'all got, what happened is y'all got tired. You didn't grill this guy and you don't even want to talk about fashion anymore. Oh, see, I'll I tip back up. some whiskey. I, I'm, I'm here for it. I'll tell you what, I'm here for the long haul, Stacky. I'm here for the long haul. You forget you know that Matthew and Stacy have what done 40 plus hour spaces. Pharrell, great guy. Seems like a great guy. Uh, seems pretty genius. I love his aesthetic. I, I don't know a lot about Pharrell. I do know he's fabulous and a great producer and genius. So I'm... I'm just here for the ride. Honestly, I don't have a lot of opinions on it on that. It's a very interesting take. I'm interested in how other, you know, big brands are going to move forward after, you know, kind of watching what Louis Vuitton does, because it's kind of like with, uh, supermodels being on Vogue. And then now it's celebrities that are on the cover of Vogue. I feel like this, I don't know if it's like a disservice to, people that work in fashion to have like a celebrity become the art director but that's the one thing that's interesting to me is like okay wait are all the brands gonna do this now where like kim kardashian is the art director of the you know what i mean like that's the one thing where i'm like is that gonna happen it's already happening i mean kim has is on her second season creative directing a special and like i said i'm here for the long haul baby here for the long haul. Yeah. Go ahead, Bruce. No, no I, I mean, it, it's, we're already here. It's like, it's the celebrification yeah. of everything. I mean, it, it's like, yes, Pharrell has amazing style, but that's because he's been working with immensely talented teams for 20 or 30. He's, he's like in his 50s. He's been doing working with the amazing talented teams for 40 years for 30 or 40 years that doesn't you know it's like it i think it's insulting i think it's insulting to the people who are actually designers when you when you look at the last 30 years of fashion the biggest successes let, let's look at like tom ford at gucci alessandra michele at gucci they were both in-house designers it's a huge disservice and it's a slap in the face for people who actually have a passion of the craft and have worked their lives in the craft of making clothes. It's like Beth Ann Hardison was quoted in a, uh, an article earlier this week. Wear the clothes. I'm a garment person. Wear the clothes. This man doesn't know how to put together a piece of clothing, but he just has style and panache. And now he became not the nanny, but the creative director of Louis Vuitton. I'm sorry. I'm with... I have a question about that. Do, like, are these, um, when celebrities get these positions, are they like ancillary roles, like add on when there's actually a real designer heading the thing, right? But they, the celebrity gets the spotlight or is it a complete replacement of the role? 
depends on the company and who the individual is. Um, I know there's some designers that just slap their name on it. And then there's others that are really involved and invested in the company. So it really does depend on what company. Thank hey, y'all. And real quick, because I see, um, I mean, y'all are managing the room, but I know uh, Zero Zero Flow had their hand up for a long time and I saw Money Mom come up. I don't know these people. Uh, right, yeah. So, like, um, uh, you mentioned music and fashion there. Like, uh, they're always intertwined, man. It's like, uh, uh, strengthening each other, like that, that iconic, uh, uh, the iconic uh, surrounding with the music, man. But this, like, did anyone see the Puma drop, man? Like, uh, like for me, man, Puma has got like this underground, like, association with like, hip hop, rave culture, like, a uh, sort of real strong, like, uh, strong like basis there for me like uh and the puma drop man they just it's it's like we i don't know it's really weird man i uh you know see the art yesterday i think they showed uh yeah i don't know man it's just not along that kind of what i think are their strongest like associations with like music culture hip-hop uh it's like a cartoon uh a kids cartoon that used to be their logo man uh no, no one's here, yes, sir. What's going on? Puma, you're like, uh, you're talking about music uh, and fashion, yeah? Like, uh, uh, like intertwined, but like, uh, send the Puma, the, the brand Puma yesterday, uh, announced right. their drop, man, and it's like, it's, it's off point, man. Like, uh, I didn't know if anyone else agreed with that. Like, because uh, I was just, I was shocked, man, at how not. Like not fashionable puma's puma droppers, man. Uh, hey, sorry, I was I'm getting not. water. I I heard you, but uh, I couldn't. No, he said was... puma basically puma. Uh, we always say it wrong in in America, but puma basically dropped something and it was terrible. Yesterday, yeah, I saw right? it. It looks it's like um, it looks like the Cheetos. You know the um little yeah. character. What's it called from the Cheetos? You know the snacks. That's what I think it looks. The tiger. Like. Yeah, it's an, old, it's an old like logo. It's an old thing they had years ago, man. Um, but I was just like, come on, you guys had such like you've got such a strong like following, like an iconic kind of like image uh, in underground culture and like hip hop, definitely, man. Uh, uh, rave culture, man. Like, uh, and it's just like you've come with this really weak like part of your history that people probably won't recognize. Sorry, zero zero flow. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say the Cheetos, the little tiger? Yeah, you know, do man. Yeah, that, that's what right? I mean. It's like real cheap kids branding, man. Like uh, I was like wicked, man. I love, love. Uh, I... Did he rug? I think he's rugging. Yeah, we heard half of that. Oh, sorry, guys. You know what? Like uh. Yeah, I think I'm on my connection, bad. So, uh, are you sitting yeah, down? To know, man, you are, you, are you sitting down right now? All right, go ahead, Money Mom. Um, so I I wanted to speak on Pharrell and his like role in fashion and like you know how he's he's he actually had a successful line of his own. 
um, in two th- two thousand three, billionaires boy, billionaire boys club. He's he's walked runways. He's been like a big part of like fashion, the fashion industry and culture and stuff like that. So I don't think it's like far fetched, you know, like for you know celebrities who've been doing or like been involved in it to like take bigger parts or bigger roles like in the fashion industry. I I understand the sentiments of okay, there are people who design clothes and go to school for fashion and study that and they know how to sew and like all those things and it does take a team like still to to do these type of things but they still have like the artistic vision they still like in certain ways like have studied and like you know been a part of that like and even hold like parts of the collections I'm sure like he's a, a Louis Vuitton like collector and stuff like that like um, so I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a smack in the face. Like even, even for someone like, um, Kanye West and his clothing line, like Kanye West, if you know anything about him, he's been a visual artist, like his whole life. Like he, you know, his mom was a teacher. He traveled, you know, he's, um, like he's a collector of fashion too. So like, I, I don't feel like it's far-fetched. I feel like you should have some skin in the game. Like I would, I would feel more offended if it was like influencers, right? Like these <laughs> the influencers from Instagram coming in and like all of a sudden like you're like ahead of a fashion department and we're like, bro, like you literally just took a few pictures, like you never like you haven't even gotten hours like sitting on, on runways. Like you never, you know, you never had a show, like you never had even like a sub collection in something. And so with that, I would feel a little more offended. But, like, with people who have skin in the game and who are actually, like, collectors and, like, who are, you know, in these communities, like, whether or not, like, they're super, like, as known as they are, like, in music, is not, you know, it's not, a, I don't think it's a bad thing, you know, like, and I, I think giving them an opportunity, like, and I and I just kind of looked at, like, what he's done, like, some of the pictures he's taken for GQ, and he reminds me of Jaden Smith, so I, I'm like, uh, and like bringing masculinity, and you got on like belly shirts and stuff. So it kind of remind me of like Prince in the '80s and stuff like that. So I like, I don't know how I feel about that, like, because when you think of like hip hop culture and like fashion, and it's like more urban, and then you think of like couture and like high fashion, and it's so far away from each other, like to me, like in a lot of ways. So it's a little bit confusing. I actually got like a, a minor headache, like just looking at. <laughs> So I like I guess I feel the sentiments, but at the same time I'm like like these people are artists too. Like a lot of them have like artistic backgrounds. A lot of them, you, you don't know like what they've done, like what type of clothes. Like okay, I can say like for sure Beyonce is not sewing and designing her own clothes, but her mother for a long time designed all of her performance wear, and she designed you know the House of Darion and stuff like that. So for her to come out with a clothing line. It's not necessarily high fashion, but it's not like far fetched, right? Like it's not like something that is they got the money to do it, like they have, you know, the the network to do it. And I say why not? I I agree with you to a certain extent. I just think I just think it's an unfair advantage for them to be, you know, celebrities in doing that. You get what I'm saying? Because my cousin my cousin, um, she's a stylist, you know, she worked in fashion and stuff. I don't really talk to her like that much, that much, but she sacrificed a lot to be in that industry and it's really fucking hard. So it's just like, you know, um, somebody who did go to school for it, who did work hard for it, you know, 
who's whose life goals are to be in those positions, right? Whereas though other people like Pharrell wasn't thinking about being in fashion like initially. He was he was a he was a wonderful producer. You get what I'm saying? So, you know, this you now you have this amount of money, you're like, Oh, I like fashion today. So I'm gonna go ahead and start these lines and things like that. And then, oh, okay, Louis Vuitton has this position open. Hey, let's see how this works out. You versus somebody's whole life dream being being fashion. Their whole uh being being fashion. You know what I'm saying? So I think I really do think those positions need to be for the people who worked hard to get there, you know. But it's like like it's one thing of like having money and being in that network, right? But then also, I mean, just regular people who aren't celebrities, you have to be in the network, right? Like any like fashion, like in general, like I okay, once upon a time in high school, I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. I thought I was gonna go to New York and like go to school there and become a fashion designer. But like even even so, even going to the best schools and being like the best designer. It's unfortunate that like having money or like having certain connections like is what puts you there, right? Like so it's not and and I, I honestly don't think like Pharrell is like job searching, right? Like so that was Louis Vuitton saying, Oh hey, Pharrell, like, you know, we have this position and we think you will fit. Why? Like why would they pick Pharrell like over a lot of people? Why do, you know, jobs pick, you know, nepotism, like whatever whatever is going on, like whatever type of connections it is, is unfortunately how the world works and you have to like even for artists right like I say like for NFT artists and like myself like you have to put yourself in like certain positions and you got to be at the right place at the right time you have to study the right things you have to you know like um, even be at the right fashion shows like you could be into fashion you could be going to fashion shows and, shit, and no one will ever notice you if you're going to the wrong shows like if you're wearing the wrong thing if, if you're not style right if you like you know you just miss step once like you can miss a fashion show where you're sitting on the front row and it's like it messes up everything like you you miss your press really you miss the you know for the chance they don't take pictures of your outfit like you messed up the free outfit that you got to wear to that so it's just really the right place like positioning and network and like all of that really matters like and I it's an unfair advantage but then it's like okay I worked hard to be a celebrity right like I, I even if I started as a producer I worked hard to be able to sit in the front row of a fashion show. I worked hard to be able to afford fashion pieces. So who's to say that, like, I didn't work as hard as anyone else or I don't deserve it, right? Like, it's one thing, like I said, like, Kim Kardashian, like, I'm like, <laughs> their family is super, like, into fashion. Like, they're, they're at fashion shows and stuff like that. But it's, it's uh, I think it was Kanye West. He's like, Lady Gaga is something for Polaroid. He's like, what does she know about cameras? Like, you know what I mean? Like, at least, But, like, you know, so do you get my point though like it's like you can't slap a celebrity in every position so that's that's no, what i'm sure. that's my point that's like putting celebrity keep putting i really don't like the idea of people keep putting the a1 like the top celebrities in movies like that shit is annoying because i know how many it's a ton of actors out there that be busting their ass to try to get those roles so it's just like it's the same thing it's like stop slapping celebrities everywhere because you want some kind of recognition for your brand so that's that's my take on it. Whether he deserved it or not, it's it's not even his fault. It's really the company's fault for these companies are looking at like celebrity them as as like, okay, we can get a a shine here from this person instead of doing what Apple did in the what the the nineties and the nineties and brought on Steve Jobs who actually had a fucking idea. 
You get what I'm saying? So it's, it's just different. Like- it's different now too, Joe Stacky, because we're in the the time of the internet and like the marketing is different. Like so, yes, a celebrity or someone who's more well known is going to get you more attention. So that's marketing. That's one. And then also like you you have to work like hard to to be noticed. Like so, I don't. I don't know, like, and even even with like designers coming up, right? Like, you can you can go viral, literally. You can go viral overnight, and I've seen people products sell out. I've seen their fashion. I've seen people with purse lines and all type of stuff who overnight they went viral and it popped off for them and it was good. Like, and so you can like you really it's an advantage, right? Like, it's an advantage to be in the space that we're in right now and be able to like have you know it's not the same. Like, it's it's, it's absolutely not the same. But I I totally understand like what you're saying. Do you really know? It's like, no. But, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go to Katrina Handed. Oh, my goodness. First of all, House of Fashion is raising his hand. So I'm going to go to him after and then go to Stacey. What's up, Katrina? Nice to have hey. you up here. Uh, yeah, it's my first time. I've been listening for a while, but first time up here. So, um, and it's just ticked over afternoon here in Australia. So it's always good for us on Saturday morning to listen to you guys. All these beautiful accents today. <laughs> you guys have got the accents, not us. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, just wanting to go back to Bruce and um, and the and the talk of of uh, fashion houses. I I know it's a really weird um, sort of um, likening, but for example, coaching in sports, like I was it, and this is the reason why I came up because this popped into my mind was coaching in sports. For example, one of the most successful coaches in the world of soccer, which is a big part of my life, if, um, was uh, Sir Alex Ferguson and never made it to the major, like the major um, teams or anything like that. Some of the best, absolute best coaches in the world never could play for great teams. Um, and big and so because of that they made better coaches because they knew what they what needs to happen but they just couldn't do it themselves um and that's i don't know whether that's something look at least with pharrell it's it's a celebrity it's attention as mary beth was saying it's going to bring eyes it's all about the eyes 